Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'll never have to ask. Stop smelling the mic. I'll never get over that smell. It's just a nice synthetic, all right smell. Did you smell like markers and stuff when you were at school? Oh, I. <laughs> yeah, the crayons too. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... John Cole. And to his left... Harry. And to my right... Kiva Sweeney. Bam! What's happening? Wait, you had a weird look in your face when I said Chan. I or when you says when you says there, right, until has left, but Harry's to my right. I know I do this every week. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm it's just I don't want to say right when I'm still on the left side. It'll confuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously it's confused me for weeks because I've literally just caught on. <laughs> I know I, I say that every week. Before we can uh, get started as well, because we've just listened to his masterpiece, can we wish our uh, dear composer Ryan Scruff McGarrigle a happy birthday today? Oh yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday Ryan! Happy birthday! Twenty-seven years of age, another year of rampant mediocrity. Is he twenty-seven? He is. I. We're all twenty-seven. Well, I'm not twenty-seven. We're like another two weeks. Hunt, hunt. Oh really? Yeah, oh. I'm two weeks younger than Scruff. What do you mean? Oh really? I've been 27 for ages. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting to become 28. No. I feel old. Ah, true enough. You've, uh, you've, what, since, you've been since December and you've been since November? Yeah. Ah, I'm worse. You've We're been mature. December. And September? Oh, you're mature. Am I the baby of the 10th? You're the baby of the 10th. Oh, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me. So uh, we, we turned Ryan's happy birthday message and they a discussion about our own ages. Yeah. <laughs> happy <laughs> well, birthday! Essentially, I, I, I just turned on this on about myself. <laughs> 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 How was everyone's St. Patrick's days? Can't remember. So was that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Dylan Moran thing. He says, uh, you measure how good a night was by how much it fucked you up. It's like, oh, it was great. I lost an ear. It was brilliant. <laughs> uh, Heron told me this amazing story. Now, it doesn't actually happen on Paddy's Day, but because obviously Paddy's Day is a day of rumping, drunken, I think it's relevant. He says he's got, he's got this friend who won't name because he listens or in case he gets in- insulted. But he's got this friend who apparently is a really big drinker. Like, you know, one of these boys who'll like maybe buy like a 24 box of tons and polish most of them on a night and stuff like that. But he says that... Uh, Heron and Hammer and a few other friends were out one night and all the rest of their friends including Heron were absolutely fucking wrote off like really pissed but this boy was drinking can after can you have those nights where you just can't get drunk you know those nights really frustrating you can have like 8 or 9 cans and for whatever reason your body's not letting you get drunk he says they were walking up this bar and this boy stumbled out of the bar they were about to come and they had 2 pints in each hand he was completely fucking blocked and he had about a boat down his top and he could barely walk in his trousers and he around his ankles and anybody else would have thought jeez had the shape for that boy but your man turned to her and he was all jammy bastard <laughs> 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 so fucking good I love it <laughs> so good yeah apparently just an hour money to me 
it, there was this girl who you kind of fancied. In all fairness, Heron should be telling these their house stories, but he's not here this week, and I thought they were too good not to. But uh, yeah, this girl that he really fancied, just I think he used to work in an off license or something like that. She used to come and asking about wine and all this stuff, and he just had no fucking clue about wine. He used to just bluff and say, like, you know, that would really go well with this meat. That would is really this Heron well. or Heron's no, friend? No, this is Heron's friend. Okay. Like, Heron's friend, and he was like, oh, that would go really well. Or that Shiraz there is phenomenal. And I was correct, I didn't have a fucking clue what he was talking about. But eventually, one day, the girl came on. And the manager was all, can I help you out? She was all, no, actually, I want to speak to such and such a pain. He's helped me out with a lot of wines before and stuff like that. And the manager knew at this point I had a fucking clear about wine, so he brought her up that hill. And he was all, I, um, I heard you being uh, helping this girl out with your wine and all that there. What do you think will go best with this here bottle of wine? And at this point, the boy knew it. He was nab, so he was just all mad about six cans of Steiger. <laughs> 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 just cautioned that one. But anyway... It was a spooky joint. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually genuinely terrified of this week's thing. <laughs> who, who supplied it? Uh, my sister supplied it. What? She gifted it to me. Oh, so you got away with fucking... But you're still going to count it as yours, aren't you? Well, all right. That won't if you want to be a scumbag <laughs> about it. But, no, uh, you've given credit there. It's a uh, top drawer there, Shankla. Oh, it isn't the top drawer? Okay, well, there are two seconds. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Oh, she got this in Iceland. Oh, oh no. Uh, well, this is Topaz Vodka Shot. No, Vodka Scott. Sorry, what the fuck is that? Oh, this isn't Scotch and Vodka mixed together, is it? What? No, it's Scotch Icelandic. <laughs> oh, it's Icelandic. Oh. Right. All right, all right. It's a different language. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, she got it in Iceland, the country, not the shop. How <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. exotic. <laughs> oh, nice. I know she went there recently, and then she bought this on her way back from the duty-free. Did she buy it specifically for us? She did. Ah, oh, that's oh, so nice. Goodness. Was she it was... Trish? No, it was Elaine. Ah, oh, Elaine. That's nicey. Thanks, but Elaine. So it's 27%, 500 milliliters. It's obviously in fucking Icelandic, so we're not going to be able to read the detail. Although, in all fairness, at the back, there is three exclamation marks and then the word heritist. <laughs> Whatever that means in, in Icelandic, but it seems like it's quite offensive. Um, can we can type that in the Google Translate? Can we Google on the Google Translate what heritist means? The spelling? Uh, Harry's, Harry's on it. Harry's on it. I got Google Translate my phone. Right, so it's H-R-I-S-T-I-S-T. And the any Icelandic listeners, of which we have none, um, you don't know. apologizing about that. Uh, she, she she Googled this. They give us some background information. Apparently, Quentin Tarantino once said it's the worst drink he's ever tasted. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, here we go then. So, he would say that, though. That's pretty good. He would say that. Uh, so, hey, that's what I was going to say. Is I think we should all drink it at the same time. So, Shan, break out the plastic shot glasses. Oh, the plastic. I didn't even see them. Sorry. There's shot glasses in here, too. Or we could just uh, stick four of those wee straws in the bottle. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, no. Can we do that? That's a way better idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'll be leaning across the table. So. Uh, it's, it's in a black bottle, but never trust a black liquid. No, sorry. no, it's a black liquid. Oh, it's a clear geez. bottle. Jesus. Oh, fuck. Right, so... Heretist means shake. Shake? shake. Oh, right. Okay, shake it. <laughs> Heretist it up. Good information. Up. Right, okay, well, it's a, it's a nice shake there. Right, so so do we have really no idea what we're, we're drinking right it, I think, Well, I think it's a vodka-based shot, that's but that's about it. That's fucking purple. <laughs> it's purple-black. Is Your it? Your aura's purple. Because I tried shining a light through it, and like the light couldn't escape it. They actually see what color it was. I do know what they... It's... It's I think just m- more the fact water. it's foreign, more because of how much it's been bought up, and more the fact that it's lovely fucking jet black, and we have no idea what's on it. 
smells like toothpaste. And it smells like lust. And actually, we might finish. It actually smells like lustering. This might be like Icelandic, like mouthwash or something. <laughs> <laughs> are we supposed to like... swallow this? <laughs> like, Icelandic people are just right oppressed. Have they start their day with a buzz like, right here you go, pour four shots there. Okay. You know what, Michael? Oh, I got the burger shot. Oh. Yeah, Kiva. Thank you, sir. Oh, no, right, you know what? Just down the hatch. Three, two, oh. one. Three, two, one. Cheers. Prost to Iceland. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, ah, Jesus. What the fuck? Yeah, that is listerine. That's <laughs> listerine with fucking salt on it. What the fuck? Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! Uh, no, it's, it's not actually a... probably quite good for your teeth. <laughs> what? Are you? Are my... <laughs> <laughs> not good for your teeth. Oh, uh, no, I I can taste licorice. Nice now, kind of. Yeah, there's a licorice kind of, but, but, it's, but just, it's really salty. Salty, it's salty uh-huh. fucking licorice. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, that is so oh, bad. We, we don't have a vomit. It's warm to my cockles a wee bit, though. That as well. Do you know what? Fair play to Elaine. That is hands down the worst danger ball we've <laughs> ever had. That is fucking awful. Sweet you know the worst thing? My eyes are water. Fucking hell. Do you know what the worst thing is as well? I feel like I've brushed my teeth, though. It's yeah, really meant to. I feel like I've brushed my teeth, but like also ate like a fucking bag of turd. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. Can't even drink afterwards. It's like drinking <laughs> after washing your teeth. I feel like the inside of my body has just been totally descaled. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, it's, it's, it's probably like drinking bleach to like clean you right out. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, have you drank bleach before? Do you know what? I, I feel kind of like half fucked after just I know, I know. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, like my head. eyes are watering and I'm sweating. See, <laughs> my, my eyes are watering. I'm sweating. I don't have breakfast. I think I went straight to my fucking oh, head. Fuck no. Look, you can see like the bottle is clear. Was... I know it's a clear oh. bottle, but black liquid. Oh Jesus! There's so much yet left as well. I know we're, g- we're going to have to finish this. Do you know what? Can, <sighs> we, can we make an agreement that this week we'll just give each other a pass and we can only have to do one shot? No, we have to do shots at the top of everything. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm ready. <laughs> it's only We're going to have to like finish it so I can have a nap before I work. Mickey, it's, <laughs> it's not even three in the evening, pal. We have to go to a birthday party tonight. Okay, tax amongst yourselves. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves when I tweet a picture of this mother. Oh, it's absolutely f- Fucking horrendous. Oh, well, I, in all fairness, we, we didn't actually... What are you like, doing, aren't you? He's just about to take a picture of it. I'm going to translate the rest of this on the back. Well, uh, well I kind of need it. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Paddy's Day too, we didn't actually elaborate how Paddy's Day went. How was your Patrick's Day, Michael? I had a... It was It was a really beautiful day. It was so Cracking sunny. I think, I think considering the next day was overcast and shit yeah. and cold, is like... This really sums up Paddy's Day. It's like, Paddy's Day is the best day. And yeah. <laughs> the next day is like, ugh. So Paddy, <laughs> so obviously, you've got a wee text. Like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> What's that, like, like p- pathetic fallacy? Is that about the weather? Yeah. Oh, is it? I, 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 I totally get that. Do you know that, like, uh, disease, SAD, SAD? Where uh, people say, like, oh, you get really down and bad will. Uh, what is, I, I what is the stuff? Seasonal affective disorder? Stolen, like, uh, but uh. I think everyone's got that because unless yeah, well, you're you just need a your, your vitamin D from the sun. Not from that, baby. But, like, not only was St. Paddy's Day like a really nice day for dairy where it's always fucking raining and shit. I think it's just been the nicest day of the year so far. Mm. Yeah. We looked out big time. I know because I was I was sat out, out the back most of the day having a wee Irish coffee you playing with my dog. Catching yeah. some rays, man. I was catching some rays. And I thought, and you, then, had bit, thought you had a wee bit of color on <laughs> went, went out to see the parade. The parade was a bit shit to be fair. Yeah, it really is. It's really underwhelming. I, I made promises to myself that I would go this year. I haven't been to the parade in dairy in like 10 years. And I says, you know what? This year is the year. And they ended up just sitting getting fucked in an apartment that I've never been in before. <laughs> so it usually happens that way. So the translation on the back just 
means prepared from alcohol and topaz flavoring. What the fuck what is the topaz? Fuck is topaz, is topaz not like a diamond or something? Hey, topaz is like a gem, is it not? Oh, fuck. Topaz, that topaz, topaz 50. It's <laughs> <laughs> the boys down the market selling the topaz rings. <laughs> Cheap topaz tobacco. <laughs> 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 nah, never again. I'm sorry, I'm, I might have to draw the line in the sand here this week and say that I refuse, straight up refuse to have an order. That is not passing my lips again. Because that is fucking awful. But you, you can still probably test it a bit. Like, in, in about an hour's time, you'll be like, all right, that wasn't that bad. Like, I'm fucking seeing fucking deal. stars. I, mean, that, 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 I, I can I, feel, feel it. I feel like fucking punched. Trickling through my butt. Like. Oh, <laughs> and it's probably just affecting every organ as we speak. Just getting in there and beating the shit out of it. One shot, one shot, like. So what have we watched this week, folks? Kiva Sweeney. Uh, this week I watched Red Hill. Has anyone seen it? No. Heard of it? No. Uh, it's a 2010 Australian film um, directed by Patrick Hughes. I don't know if it's Hughes or Huges. Huges. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a Huges. Um, and it's got uh, Ryan Wanton or... Quantin, I don't know if it's a silent K. Um, <laughs> I I recognise him from he plays Suki Stackhouse's brother in True Blood, Jason oh, Stackhouse. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, he's hot. He's pretty. They're all hot in True Blood. I've I know, but him. he's ridiculously hot. Is he like? Can yeah. I have a picture? Oh, can I have a joke on him? Do you, like, want, do you want a clothed picture or a non-clothed picture? <laughs> Woman's good for me. Unbelievably <laughs> symmetrical in the face. Oh, I love it already. Very you know why I appreciate male beauty. He yeah. was. He was because I mind because I used to watch you Blood, but before when I was seeing him on True Blood, I was like, I know him from somewhere, and he was Vinny in Home and Away. If anybody used to watch Home and Away back in the day, as it right, I mean, as this a myth or as every single Australian actor that has literally ever loved, even before TV, in some way, been on Home and Away or Neighbours. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. seems <laughs> to be, it seems to be almost like the fucking breeding ground for actors. Chris Hemsworth was Home and Away. I think Liam's Hems- Liam Hemsworth was Neighbours. Ooh, <laughs> family divide. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably not a Shortland Street or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Red Hill. It's kind of like, right, so it's based in this like outback town of Australia where uh, uh, Ryan, he plays a guy called Shane Cooper. He's like a sheriff, but it's like, you can tell he's just moved in to this town. His house is full of boxes. He can't find his gun. His wife's heavily pregnant and he's saying like, you know, if you look, it's my first day, but he's just been transferred from, I don't know, a big city somewhere. I don't know. Any Sydney, maybe. He doesn't tell you. Um, oh, he is hot. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Mm, he's a wee babe. I've seen better, like, but he is very, very good. He's, he's a, he'd be a solid eight in my books. No, but see when you see him, like, fucking and all in True Blood. <laughs> so goddamn hot. Especially when he's fucking Deborah Ann Wolf. Or Wolf. Wolf. Or from Daredevil? I, I always call her Wolf. But Wolf. I. But I, because they, they, they have a few banging sessions in that air. Just yeah. so not, not, not they completely call Kiva off, but just speaking of, obviously the brand new second series of Daredevil was just released on the Netflix yesterday, and I only found out just you're talking about Deborah Ann Wool that her actual husband is Blaine too. Already, yeah, oh, which that's is nice. nice. Probably why she likes Matt Murdock. Oh, lovely. <laughs> well, well, well. Yeah, no, continue. Um, so he's starting his first day of this new transfer to this small outback town, which is quite like he's walking to work anyway. He leaves he leaves his car with his wife. Um. He's walking to work. He doesn't know where he's going. So you kind of, you're getting this kind of experience of learning this town along with mm-hmm. him. I don't think he sees a single person. Like, it's just all we, like, 
they kind of look like wee toy shop, kind of like, ah, oh, here's the butchers and here's the, the yeah. you know, they're just cute, wee, lovely, white wash it's buildings. It's like a wee chocolate box town or something. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, it is almost like a frontier town. Like, it looks yeah. like a kind of westerny style town. Um, like and that's kind of what the film turns into, like a neo-western. I love it. Um, the actor's name, who plays the kind of villainous guy, is called Tommy L- Lewis. Tommy Lewis. And he's kind of like a... You, you hear that this local like high-security prison has just like been breached by an explosion and someone's escaped. Turns They're out to be this guy. From these maximum security. And then uh, the, the local like sheriff force... Seems to be like three deputies, a sheriff, no, two deputies, a sheriff, and then just men who live in the town. I think there's only about a hundred people who live in the town. I I love that name as well. I think that could be your Walker Texas Ranger, Sheriff Force. (laughs) 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 And um, they're all, they like immediately, they're about, before they find out about this, they're taking a hand out of this newborn. They make him ride about in this horse who doesn't know how to go on a horse at all. And that's kind of, you're getting the start of the wee flavor of the Western. Uh, then they they're you feel a wee bit that it, they're completely overreacting to this one guy escaping. They're all right. We're we got two hours to lock down the town before he rises. Like and you're thinking, what? What? Why is he even coming there? There's nothing there. Yeah. So you're curious, like what you know? Is there some kind of vendetta aspect? What's going on? So they all split up and try to defend the town against this guy. And you first, you first, uh. When you first meet him, you're it's Shane Cooper who first meets him, so he doesn't know really who, what he looks like, but he sees a car coming along, has we watch point, so he gets out with his gun and he's all, but he's not pointing his gun, he's got it on his shoulder, and it's a wee old couple, but they look fucking petrified, so straight away he's all, yeah. something's going on, turns around, your man's got a shotgun cocked at him, and he kind of coaxes him off, like your man's kind of, he's all just let these people go, like you don't need them anymore, just let them go. Says nothing, the the kind of baddie guy or what you think, and he kind of he doesn't shoot at him, but he cocks his shotgun and makes him stumble off this like ravine. Yeah. So you think he's just fucked, and then really I think he's he's the only person that he encounters and doesn't just immediately shoot straight away. As as soon as he sees the people's faces, he's shooting them. So he doesn't a, shoot this guy. He's a proper mm. bad cunt then. Oh, uh, it, it's terrifying. He's like, he kind of looks like Two Face, half his face is like complete like scarred Fuck. but he's wearing clothes so you don't know if it's his whole body but i mean all up around it, his head it's like two fists in the cartoon as well as like half his clothes different colors too. <laughs> <laughs> no. but he's badass looking you know he's got like literally like 40 shotgun shells all wrapped around him and he's just he's not fucking about he's always putting these two guns he's you're got, never like, fucking about with 40 shotgun shells scary, <laughs> like, say 40 shotguns i was like fuck me was like massive and um <laughs> But so it kind of, it, you know, they, they're all dispersed among the town anyway. So it's kind of him hunting through the town for these men. Um, also, there's an apparent panther on the loose. Apparently, there's no panthers in Australia, but you you do see it. Like, so I don't know what that's yeah, about, but it's kind of scary. Does it- did, did they have a patron, patron site that got rid of all the panthers? Yeah. But some of the action scenes in it are... Or the, even the scenes leading up to the action scenes, they're they're class. They're, there's one where, so oh, at the start there's like an information center, and that's kind of how they give this guy Shane the new the new police officer or sheriff or whatever. 
you know, they're all go past the information center. You can't miss it. It's got like a memorial, yeah. an historical thing outside. It's like a glass box with like a Aborigine mannequin, and it's that like you're kind of. I don't really get what's I don't understand because no one in that town they all see they're all white yeah. you know uh, apart from this the bad guy who's after them he's like a according like a an Aboriginal and uh all right shit's okay so the boy with like the fucking forty shotgun yeah. says he's like part Aboriginal yeah all right okay well I don't know if he's part or I don't know right you don't right, know you right. don't really know his history yet um but it's like nighttime and he's going past the same information center. And he kind of stops and looks, you know, he's kind of looking at it, like, confused. But yeah. it's in a glass casing, and the lightning strikes, like, three times. And after the, the light, the third lightning strike, he sees someone's reflection on, like, a building way just back with a sniper rifle about to get him. He literally, he literally just turns around and goes, boom, gets him right in the center of the eyes. No sweat. <laughs> See ya. And then everyone, all the other boys are hiding and shit themselves. They're all, oh, shit. They're no fucking about with him. But uh, it's just, I don't know, we kind of, like, it's fun mixed with, like, crazy tension. Yeah. Like, you're, I don't know, it's exciting how everything it's together. It sounds really good. It sounds really good. Yeah. No, it sounds like fucking. Well, first of all, when you started bringing it up, I thought, oh, it's like a revisionist Western because like Australia went through a period of doing stuff like that. You know, like the proposition, proposition and stuff. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it's cool. I love the proposition. So it's like a revisionist Western, but now it just kind of sounds in like just like crack and thriller and then kind of semi horror. Yeah, this boy sounds like a it's, fucking badass. It's, it's pure badassery, man. <laughs> like it, like. If I met him, you would just give up. Even if you had a whole arsenal, you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is, but I'm even sorry. If, even if you were in a fucking tank, <laughs> you'd still submit. Um, just drop the keys. But, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it anymore because it anymore kind of starts giving away the yeah. the plot, but it's very much worth a watch. I oh, it highly really recommend cool. it. Red Hill? Red Hill. Red Hill. And that's the like name of the... The place. The, the place where it's... I don't know if it's a real place, but... And how, like, how did you find out about it? Like... Um, I was just go- like googling films to watch. Yeah, came up. I said Red Hill in the Google, like and 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 the first search result was Red Hill Surrey, travel and tourism. <laughs> 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 but then Red Hill film was underneath. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'll tell you what, I'll check it out, and then we'll discuss it next week. Yes. Just to quickly go back to the danger bottle. When I was taking the shot, like a little bit, kind of dribbled down, like off my lip, and then down a wee bit. Now, now that section is numb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can feel it. Well, I cannot feel it. It's just like there's a weird kind of part of my left now. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going on. That's what I felt like inside my body. As it was, I was like, I can feel it going down. Does everybody feel- kind of feel like really fucked now? Because I, I like yeah. as you were talking, I just felt like I'm getting so drunk. Oh, like, just, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, big time. I and mean, that's the only drink I had a coffee and a water, and I'm like, fuck. I mean, like that's lovely. I mean, I had two sips of me vodka and fucking lemonade there, and all our nets. That's the only thing I've had, and I feel half fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be the like the self-destructive side of me, but I'm actually tempted to have an all around. Hey, Saturday night chips gonna be fun. I'll be all, oh, stop talking to me. Oh. <laughs> we'll have an all around later. On. No, oh, fuck. I, I, I thought you meant no. That's fucking hell. Uh, later on, later on. Tolerance. Top, start a topics or something. Like that. Aye. Uh, so Harry, what have you watched this week? Well, since it was St. Paddy's Day during the week, I decided to watch War of the Buttons. Ah. ah. Love that film. It's so, so fucking good. 
Now, although I've been warned, like I haven't seen it in years, I've been warned if you kind of go back to it as an adult, it doesn't hold up as much. See, I, I, don't, I don't really agree because it still does. I, yeah. I, yeah, because me and you, me and you are actually talking about this the other night. I went back and because I, it was one of those films, right? That even as a Wayne, a child, sorry, uh, <laughs> like every every child in Ireland's watched it because it's yeah. almost it's almost like a rite of passage that you have to watch it. It's just one of those. It's like Darby O'Gill and the Little People. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. one of those films you have to watch, but. Uh, Obviously, I loved it as, as when I was when I was younger and stuff. But then I, I rewatched it recently because uh, my girlfriend's a massive fan of World Buttons, and I thought, oh, it's gonna be shit. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just gonna be one of those ones that just kind of ruins your childhood slightly. And even like the buzz of nostalgia can't like kind of mask the cracks of shapeness. <laughs> but no, it was. A, <laughs> it was a beautiful statement. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a plaque. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I rewatched it again. I, it's still really strong. I still enjoyed it just as much as what I would have. Ah, same. Oh, sorry, work away. The, the only actors that I that would be known today from it is Colin Meaney and who else? Liam Cunningham. And there's also a wee part that no one noticed. The late Frank Kelly. Yeah, Father Jack. Uh, he is in there, no? They play, he plays the smallest role, but that where all the dads meet in the middle of the bridge in the middle of the night, he's just sitting there with this big angry face on him. He, when they're walking up, he he's just sitting sitting there whispering something to another dad, but you don't hear anything. You just go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. See, is Star and roll for Frank Kelly? <laughs> is Liam Cunningham their teacher? Uh, he's the and then Colin Meaney's what somebody's dad is. I uh, the leader. I uh, when he comes in with all his buttons cut off and all, he's all what the fuck are you doing or something? <laughs> oh no, the, the boy comes in with the eggs. Or something like that, air. Uh, it was an on that, point. Call me. I know, I don't that, know what it was. Was that true, was it? Making all them dogs bark. <laughs> what year was it made? It's 90, like 94. Just in my mind, seems like it's so much older than that. What are the buttons? Is 1994? Yeah. I thought it was like the early 80s. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm going to check this, but Harry's always on party. It must, yeah. have, always on <laughs> it must have just been out whenever we were all like well it might be just it, just know? because like it seems like it seems to be set kind of earlier not right? even that that maybe it just shows the state of Irish film in the early oh, 90s that the film actually looks like it's from the late 70s <laughs> 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 I think it's meant it's set it's meant to be set in the 60s yeah it's definitely Aye. I think it's supposed to be set in the 60s but fuck me I thought it was like I honestly thought that was like the late, late 70s early 80s also, you know we had the theory earlier on about Australian actors, like possibly every Australian actor of all time. Uh, it, is, it is 94, yeah. Fuck me, that's, that's impressive. Pulp Fiction. Fuck me. <laughs> that's crazy, like. That's mad. No, what? No, I was going to say, like, Pulp, Pulp Fiction, like, lost lost at the Oscars. Like, why didn't War of the Buttons? <laughs> why wasn't War of the Buttons in that conversation? Yeah. But we had that, th- I don't know, why wasn't it? We had that theory. That's Irish right. racism. I, I, I just I just see the like the cover photo on IMDb as well. It's all um, naked with buttons over them. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get away with that these days. Yeah. Having a bunch of wines naked on a phone. There you go. So <laughs> the 1994, the curious case of where all the buttons was. <laughs> very, very strange. But the, I, can I propose an oral theory? Oh, this yeah, is sorry, about Australian actors. The theory is, is Colomini and Liam Condon have they been in every Irish film ever made? <laughs> because they just seem to appear in everything. Probably. They, they, they don't really seem to age either. <laughs> Liam, Cullen Cullen looks, Liam Cullen looks better now than they <laughs> done back then. You know what I mean? had a shitty haircut. Soft like... blonde or ginger. <laughs> or Are it's you not blonde the, or ginger? It's not really the cut. <laughs> it's the colour. <laughs> <laughs> He's a strawberry blonde. But 
I think the beard has done a wonders as Davos in Game oh, of Thrones. Nah. Very fetching looking now. Very, very regal. Fine looking. Okay. <laughs> 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 I have nothing to expand on. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I know you were looking at me like, uh, give me your insight on Liam Gordon's beard. <laughs> what do you think of his beard? <laughs> I was just thinking about him in the guard. He's like, oh, he does have a beard in that as well. <laughs> does he? I think so. No, doesn't. Doesn't I don't know. <laughs> bit of stubble. Look, you watched this film fucking three days ago. Oh, he has a bit of stubble. That's not a beard, though. Aye, well, it's facial hair. <laughs> oh, come on now. I didn't even think he's got stubble, to be honest Fuck it, I was drunk. Who does he, who does he play in the guard? He's, he's like one the, of the, the he, drug I'm smugglers. Very, he's essentially like, he's the head of the three drug smugglers. The, he's smart, not, the smartly dressed one. Uh, he's, not the, he's not the one who looks like a general psychopath with a fucking ginger beard and hair, and he's, he's not strong much stronger. Uh, he's not yeah. the English one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to he, remember, did he have like a wee goatee or something? Hey, he definitely has something in it. You know what? He, he, talk amongst ourselves and I'll get this. I'll see, get a patch See Liam Cullum in the guard, though. I know we're going off with him film, like, but... Hey, uh, that scene where the the young guard pulls them over, I do find him like genuinely creepy in it. Oh, it's I... like, oh, it's like you're you're from Dublin. I know all the guards in Dublin. What's your name there? And I was here. It's like, as you know what, it's a cracking scene too because up until that point in the guard, it's been just kind of all sort of dark comedy and stuff like that. And I think that's the first scene then where essentially these boys being kind of funny. It is on set. These boys are bad fuckers. Like they are scary as well. Because they're all like, should we be using our own names? Like, oh, sure, what does it matter yeah, at this point? Matter no. now? Like, cause, and then it, as soon as they say that line, you know, oh, he's fucked. I know. <laughs> you know I mean? He's definitely getting fucked in the head here. Like, it ends with such a laugh as well because they kill him. He's all, he seemed to take it well. <laughs> like, <laughs> very philosophical about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, Liam Cullum in the yard. Does he have stubble? Oh, drum roll, drum he roll. He's, he's clean shaven. Like no, I'm sorry. Sorry. show me the picture. I want to see this picture. <laughs> About two seconds. He's got a whisker. <laughs> hey, Mickey's looking for him. Like three, like three hairs in his Aye. Any? Even an overgrown eyebrow. There you go. I don't see any stubble there. That's a very poor quality patch, though. Nah, not fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but that's at the beginning of the film. By the end of the film, he has a big beard. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty thin, Mickey. <laughs> it's hard being a drug smuggler in Wicklow or wherever. Galway. In Galway, boys. We're fucking going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, we started talking about the guard instead of War of the Buttons. <laughs> no, War of the Buttons for me, though, even though I haven't seen it in fucking years, there's so many, like, just quotes from it that I remember is, like, calling people a toss pot. Oh, <laughs> or beat your fucking horse, Fergus, or whatever you call them. Who are you saying? So we lad at the church to see how bad the toss pot is. And tell your mother, you little lout. And the priest was the shit out of it. Like uh, fat priest, just <laughs> <laughs> I n- nobody bad like that back in. Like, you know, like it was a different time. Yeah, it's acceptable for a priest to bat. That's what I'm saying. Like, like you, you actually have a scene where a bunch of naked schoolboys run at another bunch of clothes boys, I and it's know, just like I... you probably wouldn't really get away with it. Like, do you, like I can't actually remember. Like, do you see like holes? I know you don't see dick. <laughs> do you see holes? But no, but do you like see like bearers? I thought you would see. I, I know you're not seeing dick. Even, in all fairness, even even young holes. I know that's 84, what I'm saying. Like I can't, I can't remember. Do you actually see it or not, Harry? Do you? Because in that picture, the the DVD co- or the IMDb cover, like it looked like you would have seen their hole, but it was covered by buttons. Nah. Do I? There's even a shot where there's a quick glimpse of them from the front, but it's it's really really faded out, so that you don't fucking see frontal nudity of young. Boys. Yeah. Actually, so you know what? Even thinking of where the buttons now, 
how the fuck did they get that made? <laughs> There's a lot of really uncomfortable things on there. Like, yeah. no, there one of the ma- one of the mas of the young actors tried to stop her son from uh, getting being shown in that scene. Really? Well, uh, you can see why. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, no, you can't just. He has a tiny but penis. The <laughs> solicitors just went and said. <laughs> I w- the family's said, reputation was at stake. <laughs> 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 All the men in that family are known for so big langers. <laughs> the, the, no, the solicitors just went and said, I should have stopped it before the uh, scene was filmed. Ah, exactly. Oh, right, he was in the fucking shot. <laughs> <laughs> and she knew everything that was going on. Like. Yeah, you're not going to be just like hand your small child over and not be all what's going on today. Like, uh, so no, go I'm, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. See, kind of going into that, though, like, I, I was always surprised that they got away with so much in Leon, the way Natalie Portman. I think because she's quite sexualized in that, even though she's a kid. I think that's mm. integral to it, though. I, I mean, know it is, but it's it's just surprising that they kind of got people to go along with it. Like. Yeah, I think though, if I can, geez, I might be, I'm, I'm going out in a lump here, but I'm nearly sure that Leon was not a full American production. I think it was half French, half American. I think obviously I'm not the fucking. Why you call the director again, Louis or Lou? It's uh, Luc Besson. Luc, Luc Besson. But. Uh, not to go into a cliche about, you know, obviously the French being very sexual. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, some stereotypes are there for a reason. You know, French cinema, even from, like, the 50s and 60s, has been a lot more kind of exotic. And risque. Maybe, and she has, she has, yes. as, as sexualized as that young Portman character is, like, she has always clothed, yeah. you know? Uh, it's it's more, it, it's kind of It's just in the dialogue. Bits, like, where, where she's kind of nearly coming on to Leon and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think it's more the thing as well. You just kind of see she's definitely a lost soul. And because she's never really had a childhood, she thinks from just seeing all her kind of grown women. I just, this is like from I'm, her upbringing and stuff. Yeah. This is how I'm supposed to be. You know what I mean? Have you s- sorry. Oh, no, have you seen that uh, Chandelier video by Sia? Yeah. yeah. With a Aye, that, that, that really that reminds, reminds me, me of loads that, of that uh, film. Yeah. Like, really loads. But do you not remember the fucking controversy about that video? Because well, yeah. I, I, you know what I, you know what I hit as well is that a lot of people, like a lot of fire breathers, are coming in and saying, "Oh, this is child pornography. This is this. This is that." Probably hadn't even watched the video because they were, "Oh, she's naked, but she's not. She's wearing a she's like, in, like a, a, a leotard. She's, wear, she's wearing yeah. a nude suit. She's wearing a flesh collar suit." My I fair enough. It is. It's 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 a bit challenging and stuff like that. But when you actually, look, she's not naked, and it is more just about her dancing. Yeah, and like you know that I mean? that that girl came off like some kind of show, and no yeah. one said boo about her when she was on the show. Like do like. Yeah, it was a different choreographer, probably. But I mean, she, as a dancer, she probably has the same set of like moves that are, yeah. you know, reshuffled around or whatever. And did anyone say boo when she's doing it on TV? You know, precisely. Like, I don't People know. just love fucking crying. That's all it is. Nah, uh, they just, love, just a love a good yam. Love a good yammer. Fucking right? yammers. Yeah, I think that's all. Sham, what did you watch this week? I went and rewatched one of my fave films. Uh, oh, can I guess? Go on. Um, oh shit! You know me. You, you, you know me. Top five that changes every day, but yeah. there is. You've said to me before because I've always been under the impression that there's no such thing as a favorite film because it changes daily. It could change, you know, by the hour. It just depends on what mood you're in. You know, if you ask me now, I've said before, I might say Tax Driver, might say The Apartment, might say Maltese Falcon, uh, but you have mentioned that even though it could be like a random ten, there's three or four that are usually the main answers. You you you, you always you always put The Apartment. Up there and taxi driver and Maltese Vulcan, but like you, you, you give basically those top three, and then you either say the apartment or Maltese Vulcan. It's never taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days will be a taxi driver day. <laughs> I just, I probably don't see you during the taxi driver days. You're just, you're just too depressed uh, and like too busy polishing off my mobile. Uh, <laughs> thinking about shooting boys. Give, give him a, give him a clue. 
Uh, no, I, you know what? I don't even think you'll get because I don't even think uh, I've brought this one up. I before. know, I don't think so. But it is. It's it, it's up there. We we one of my favorites. It's uh, Rafifi. It's oh, you have brought this up. <laughs> have I brought up Rafifi? Aye. All right. When well, I was enough. when I was trying to watch loads of heist films. Ah, that's right. Aye. Well, this this exact and actually it'll bleed on that topic that I'm going to bring up later on too. But uh, Rafifi, 1955 French film, which we were just talking about. Uh, it's by Jules Dassin, who was actually an American director, but he was uh, working a wee bit in France at the time. And it is, it's just, it's one of the most famous examples of a heist film. I know that it was a big influence on Tarantino when he was doing Reservoir Dogs. And I think it should be an influence, if you're making a heist film, just watch it anyway. Just to see how to do a heist film in a completely different way. The actual plot itself is, you've seen it so many times before. It's uh, old fucking heist man gets out of prison and he wants one last job because he doesn't have enough money. Whilst he's been in prison, his missus has went and she kind of got off with a kind of bigger criminal and there's actually it kind of shows as well maybe some sort of change in social morals because a really kind of shocking scene even to, to this day in it is when he finds his wife and it's 1955 and he makes her strip naked you don't see her naked it's all off screen but then he just beats the shit out of her with a belt like and this that's just like fucking domestic right. abuse like you know what I mean but it's like it's it's still it's probably one of the great things about Rafifi and I've said it before about uh, the apartment too even though it's literally 61 years old now it's still really fresh and it can be like really really shocking but anyway comes to the heist he recruits this wee small sort of crack team of you know kind of bank robbers or whatever but the most famous thing about the film is the actual heist itself now usually obviously Tarantino subverted look with Reservoir Dogs he didn't actually show yeah. you the heist which you know is a, is a great idea this is the complete opposite this shows you the heist but the heist takes half an hour like it's half an hour of a two hour film it is so meticulous and detailed but what's even more impressive is during that half an hour, there's no dialogue and no music. So it's just mm -hmm. done in near enough complete silence because they're doing it in the dead of night and they have to be as quiet as possible. And it is just a masterclass in detail. Detail and research and just really trying to show everything. Because, I mean, I think any other heist you've seen, you know, be it the town, be it the, you know, the fucking, like we say, any, any just heist films, you know, like a Thomas Crown affair or whatever, you always see the heist and you think, all oh, right, well, that just looks really, not really easy, but you don't really kind of know how they've done it. You see them maybe kind of get past a couple of yards or whatever, but it's more trimmed down for time. This does not spare anything. It gives you every single thing of their plan laid out, and it's really entertaining because I think it's the fact that there's no music. They kind of give you momentum during the scenes, and there's no dialogue, so there's all this tension and silence. You're thinking, fuck, are they going to get caught? Or is like somebody going to pop on there and go, you're fucking nabbed, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you're nabbed. He's like, all right, boys, clear up, come on. But we were caught. really quiet. He's <laughs> like playing cops and robbers as a way. He's like, oh, come on, you found us, man. <laughs> amazing plan. I'm not even in French, Heller. Just, you're nabbed, boys. <laughs> Do we have to be the son. cops this time? Well, what's, what's nabbed in French? Nabbed. Nabbed. <laughs> say nabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense. I haven't done French in about 10 years. I've never done French, so yeah. got you beat there. <laughs> <laughs> Just bragging about how ill-educated I am. <laughs> I've oh. never done fucking French, what about that thing? Humble bragging about a lack of intelligence. <laughs> but they, pra <laughs> they parse and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it actually is just, it's, it's a masterpiece. Uh, definitely watch it if you're on the heist films. Definitely watch it if you're just kind of looking for something different or if you're trying to get into foreign cinema because that's one thing I will say. A lot of people are maybe put off by foreign cinema because they don't like, you know, reading subtitles and, you know, the, the old joke, oh, I came here to watch something that they read some, which is fair enough. I kind of get why people don't kind of maybe like watching foreign cinema that much, but 
if you want a good and rude not only the old cinema but foreign cinema and definitely Rafifi's one because it's actually it's quite American in its style because it is it's it's a French film noir like I mean it's a heist movie but it's done the film noir style and anytime you think of film noir you just kind of rather think of the actual film noir movement or neo noir and the likes of maybe you know Blade Runner or Seven or whatever yeah. or No Country or you think of maybe just German Expressionism which influenced noir. But, you know, noir was going on in a lot of countries, and France was a good purveyor of it, because not only did you have Rafifi, but then you had, like, uh, Melville, who done, like, sort of, maybe, maybe not, probably one of the first instances, and you know why, he done, like, the samurai and stuff like that, but uh, definitely give it a go, because it's fucking class, and it looks, it, it looks amazing still, like I'm saying, it's still very shocking, it's still really engaging, considering it's 61 years old, and it's just... Um, th- that high scene is one of the best things I think you'll see. One of the best set pieces you'll see put together. How do you spell it? It's Rafifi. It's R I F I F I. And it's on Netflix. Is not a double F? No, I think it's just one F. It's R I F I F I. And it is on Netflix. It's buried in there in the wee hidden gem section, which it is. It is a wee hidden gem. Um. No, but you were just saying like like people like don't want to watch like foreign films because they don't write. and you get that in a sense like sometimes you just you not ask they fucking sit and actually concentrate and have to read subtitles yeah. and stuff. But this one definitely don't have to read any the last half hour. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good well, enough. All enough. No, it's even better because the heist isn't at the end. It's halfway through the film. Oh, so you get a wee break. You get a wee breather in the middle, and then you have to you have to be a bit of reading, a bit of homework after them. But. It's in the middle, and then there's a couple of tying up all this in. That's actually, uh, you brought up a good point, just to kind of wrap it up in two. Another great thing about Rafifi is that it starts off, obviously, as this kind of balled up, like, heist film, film noir, and then you've got the actual heist itself, which is nearly half an hour, amazing to watch. But then it takes another turn after the heist, and the turn after the heist is just as engaging. And on top of that, too, I, I don't really like using this adjective to describe films, because I think it's just really easy, and I don't think it really gives people enough description on the world but it's just really fucking cool it just, it, <laughs> but Liz, cool, I mean like, there's just there's just an aura of, of cool about it even in the dialogue and the actors and how the actors are even dressed everything about it it's just there's definitely like a just a really cool vibe that runs through it it's very stylized it's class watch it immediately <laughs> okay bye I'm going to turn off <laughs> I just cut off for two hours <laughs> another good one to watch kind of like foreign cinema if you don't like subtitles is a Belleville Rendezvous. The Sylvain Showmate, like, it's like a pantomime, so there's really not much spoken word in it. It's, it's a good. I think it's good form. as well. We, we Belleville Rendezvous, and like we're saying about maybe trying to get people into like foreign cinema and stuff. I think that's, it's a lot easier to get people into foreign cinema when it's animated. Hence why, you know, Hayazaki and Shiro Ghibli and stuff like that are really kind of embraced over here, even by people who are you know big film lovers. I think because. If you try and double live action form, it always looks naff. Oh yeah, definitely. Naff, sorry, but you can nap. Ease, <laughs> nap, nap. Maybe that's why I need it after that fucking topaz. <laughs> but uh, the obviously dub an animated form, it's seamless. You can't really tell. Like you know, I would I mean? imagine if like no, I haven't, I haven't watched like a French version of Inside Out. Say yeah, like, but I don't know. Like, do, do does that Dublin come over a bit? Like jarring because their their frame rate is essentially yeah. human i.e. recognition frame I, it rate. Might be, it might be a bit more jarring rather than like the anime kind of stuff where yeah. it's it's not it's slower a, you know so yeah um, like even if you were watching it in japanese the the words are never syncing up completely yeah. you know their their yeah, mouth is their just moving. moving at different motions yeah. um 
but I don't know that might be I might watch a couple of wee snippets of like foreign Disney and see you know Disney as a dubbed in German or French just to see if it looks could be a future topic there could be imagine could be. some top art I'll write it down so don't forget <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week I watched They Live. Oh, yeah! Or John Carpenter's They Live. I love as well. Tell him what you done to me last night. I was <laughs> <laughs> Tell him what you did. <laughs> In detail. <laughs> All the smut. <laughs> that's why you can't sit right tonight. Um, no, I was I was looking for a film to watch last night, and I was just texting Chance, like, oh, I need to watch something. And then I finally found They Live. It's on Amazon. Because uh, I've I always really wanted to watch that John Carpenter. Because I haven't seen that many John Carpenter, but I've been kind of working my way through them. You must be up there about seen, three or four now. I've seen The Thing and... You've seen Big Trouble in China? Big Trouble in China. You've seen Lay Love now? Love. And you must have seen Halloween before. I, I see... I, I might be a little wet one. Like, I might have seen bits of it. Yeah, <laughs> just don't really remember. you've seen it so many times. You, I, or, like, I might have just seen, like... Like, I know I've definitely seen, like, H2O and stuff, but that was bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember... It's, it's actually kind of a weird one. Uh, we, you know, like, really iconic films, like, say, The Godfather, Raging Bull and stuff, and, like, you always kind of assume growing up, oh, I, I've, I've definitely seen those, or I've, I've, I've definitely remember seeing them anyway. I remember the first time that I went to watch The Godfather, I was convinced that I'd seen it, but then during it, like, from, like, Easy Lethal Weapon story... I realised about half an hour that I hadn't. But then, even though I had that wee moment of clarity, I was like, fuck, I've never actually seen this because it had been spoofed so many times. There had been so many clips on, like, you know, listing shows, the greatest films ever, and all that crap. The rest of the film wasn't a surprise because I felt like I'd seen everything already. Uh, you know what I mean? It's a strange one. But anyway, they love. I know. So I, I told Chan I started watching something. He was all, what you start watching? So I sent him a, a picture of the TV just to see if he could guess it. And he was all... Oh, what's that? Air? Is that set in San Francisco or something? I've seen, I've seen a big hill, right? He's seen a big hill in Dolden's, basically. I was like, you call yourself a John Carpenter fan. <laughs> Can't tell a frame of fucking Nathan. It was literally a hull and then a man with a rucksack. You, hey, you should have got that. <laughs> I should have got that. At the start of all, maybe Rambo. And then I was like, no. I was, do you know what? I was disgusted with myself. And I then I sent you a picture of Roddy Piper and you're all like, all right. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. Cool, man. No, because I, I was talking to Shad about then, like, after I finished the film. It kind of really cemented for me that, like, John Carpenter just, John Carpenter just has his own style. Like, just a, a John Carpenter film feels like a John Carpenter film. And it's kind of, that's the best way to describe it. Like, it's an auteur, isn't he? Ah, well, you, you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just because, like, nothing really feels like those kind of films. Especially, like, like they live felt a, like a lot like uh big trouble in little china but not as comedic like they're taking it a bit more serious yeah. but they still have those kind of comedy elements like the very ending of it like which i won't spoil but it actually kind of shows you the aftermath of it and that's just like pure comedy like yeah. when you just see like everybody about but that the basic premise of it is you have rowdy roddy piper just being it's uh, it just being john everyman basically uh, <laughs> just being a blue collar worker i uh, and but it, it he kind of really suits that. Like he just, he just looks like a regular kind of guy until he takes his shirt off and you realize he's a fucking beast. That's why you Chris <laughs> Carpenter did say like a couple of times that's the reason that he cast him. I mean, because back then, really, really, paper he was big in the WWF as it was back in the day. Yeah, but he wasn't like a, a really household name or a superstar. But he says that the reason he cast him as really, really, paper is because he did just look like somebody off the street and he doesn't look like a movie star. And that's what he wanted. Like. Yeah. But then you, but the, he gets the job at the building yard, and he's working with his shirt off, and you realize he's a fucking animal. Oh, absolutely! 
he's digging and chopping and it was all very sexual <laughs> <laughs> but um but when he gets angry as well you realize he's the most canadian man in the world uh, <laughs> he's like he has such like a strong canadian like because like maybe like the first half an hour of the film or whatever he's actually like really reserved and he doesn't actually say that much he's just all like yeah he's like doing a tom hardy or whatever <laughs> <laughs> i'm rowdy <laughs> i'm off but uh I, he doesn't actually say that much, but then once it, once he kind of gets into it more, he starts being angry about stuff, and he's, like, shouting in, and he's coming out with, like, uh, all his one-liners, like, I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Certainly <laughs> one of the finest lines ever in cinema. All enough as well, apparently improvised. Aye, and apparently improvised, too. Oh, really? Yes, by Rudy Roddy Piper himself. It's pretty good. Not bad at all. But yeah, I, I never got through the premise. I just started talking about how muscly Roddy Piper was. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he's he's just this regular guy, and he he gets he he doesn't have anywhere to stay, and he's working on this building site, and then he kind of gets the just this kind of shanty town or whatever. But then there's like this church across the way from them, and that gets raided by the police and all, and he's not really sure what's going on, but he knows something's up because something there's just there's a weird air in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I've had topaz in me though. <laughs> But basically, he finds these sunglasses, and he puts on the sunglasses, and then he, he can see what everything true. He can see what everything actually is, and if you see a billboard for like a like a Caribbean holiday, he puts on the sunglasses, and it just says obey. Yeah. And then he, he looks at a magazine, and it says consume, marry, and make children, and it's it. And then you see some people aren't actually people; they're aliens. Yeah. And it's basically like they're the aliens send out this signal that just kind of blinds everybody, and what they, they say like oh it's actually like they live were asleep or something like that yeah. like basically everybody's just kind of not really seeing the world as it is i say that the aliens are the only ones who are technically loving because they're aware of everything that's going on whereas like mickey was saying everyone else who doesn't have access to these glasses or who aren't aliens yes. i love that it's never explained why the glasses exist <laughs> Matt, because obviously they've just created someone that's going to fucking destroy everything from but i anyway well, is it the aliens that created the gla- the glasses? I'm not sure. I think it's that gorilla force. I can't. I haven't watched it in a good one. Like, I, it's, I, I, because I, he finds the sunglasses in the church where it's I, it's the the rebels or whatever. Right, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. But but yeah. So it's it's just kind of the funny thing is though is when Roddy Piper like is he's just bitten about with the glasses on, just kind of seeing everything, and he just gets like really angry about everything and then just starts insulting aliens be it all you look like a fucking mess he's <laughs> like you look a, like a burn victim or something I don't know what he said but it's just like okay you realise you're surrounded by aliens you just start slagging them off be a bit chill about it you know what yeah. I mean they don't know that you can see and then they all tell everybody that they can see and then they're basically after Roddy Piper but I, it's it's just about him kind of dealing with it then finding rebels and trying to take over the aliens and all what I, what I actually really loved in the film, though, is like there's about a five-minute scene of just him and his mate, Frank, just having the, the best fight ever. It was, actually, it was actually voted recently the greatest scrap in film. Like it was, <laughs> and so I was really good. It was actually voted the greatest, like, kind of, you know, you see, like, kung fu fights, all, they're already stylized, you know, fucking, that, with the high wires and all this here. This is just two boys bitting a fucking scone each other. I mean, it's like a, it's like an elongated scrap you would see outside a bar, like, you know what I mean? It's really down and dirty. But it's it's funny as well because like, like there the, like uh Roddy Piper at one point like picks up a bit of wood and he's swinging it that you call his friend Frank, 
and he's swinging it at Frank, but then he misses Frank and smashes the window of his car, and then Frank's all like, you smashed my window! <laughs> and then Roddy Piper just starts laughing, and then he bits the fuck out of him again. <laughs> it's, it's just such a weird fight, and it's it's you just don't expect it to last that long, and the whole fight is over, Roddy Piper trying to make Frank wear these glasses so he can see, and it's just... It, it just it's just so out of nowhere that it'll last that long, and it's just—it's amazing seeing them. You know, I love. Obviously, we're talking about set piece. We're talking about the Rafifi set piece and stuff like that. There and all that. There, that is one of the greatest mud movie set pieces ever. Because <laughs> you know, what I love about it. Obviously, to Rafifi, it's absolutely integral. It is the literal heist in the heist movie. That scrap's completely unnecessary. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> he, he, he it, do, it doesn't need to be there. Like, I, I mean? like he could have just had Frank be all, oh, go and just try on these glasses. Oh, I know. Oh, bar, I, like, <laughs> why, why does he not want to put why on the glasses? Oh no, I'm not put them on. They're fucking stupid. I know he's all. No, he's he's <laughs> just nobody else here. Look, <laughs> it's nighttime. I'm not wearing them glasses. <laughs> are they no, he's, are they he's sunglasses? Just, I don't know. Yeah, they're sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, they're sunglasses. No, but he's just he's fucked off with Roddy Piper because he blames him for like the the shanty town being raided or whatever. Because he he sh- he shook because he was being a bit nosy and kind of shaking up the balance of things or whatever. But uh, that's his worst crime of the whole film. He's being a bit nosy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's essentially what it is. He's so good at being nosy as well. Like when he's sneaking his way into the church to see what they're they're doing and all. He he's just walking up casually and then there's an open door and he doesn't just juke in the door. He leans up against the door like he's just he's just hanging out chewing bubblegum and all. <laughs> 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 and he kind of wanders his way in. and <laughs> what I really loved it and as well like you know like it's like a standard thing in films like oh somebody's sneaking about and like there's a group of people that that he's hiding from or whatever and he makes like a big loud noise and they would all hear it he does the exact same thing but nobody hears it <laughs> just does that. he literally like goes through a wall <laughs> and he just, nobody hears it <laughs> and then he he, ba- he like it's like a hidden bit in the wall so he falls through it but then he has to bang it back in and still nobody hears it it's just like what are they doing like, do you not think oh, that like by trouble in china and like just stacks of characters films like the fog and christine and stuff like that that it's obviously taking someone that's a complete B movie and putting like a smart sort of style on it. Yeah. And obviously blending in a bit of humour too that's actually funny as opposed to not being, you know, funny because it's so bad it's good. Like. Mm. I know, that's it's because you do get that kind of B movie kind of vibe off it, but as you said, like it's elevated a bit and it has those things that you don't really see before, like the fight or even just him fucking putting a hole in a wall. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And but I, as I was saying, like even his reaction to when he first sees the aliens, like he's basically doing a like a fucking siege, <laughs> just one man siege, like and an a attack. Too, like. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's basically just trying to fight them all himself. Like he bits the fuck out of a couple of cops, and he he has knife sticks hanging off his belt and all, and then just one <laughs> shotgun, and he's trying to take them all himself. Like, and I was just thinking, is this the rest of this film? There's still like another like forty five minutes of this film. Like, <laughs> that's another good thing as well. Just over an hour and a half. Kenny bit it. Kenny bit we. 90 Mulliner. Shiny bit of 90 Mulliner. I love that. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was gonna, just going to say, like, I never even heard this film, but I love that premise of that, like, fake visual reality. Yeah, like, it's cool. That's cool. That's that's kind of freaky. Like, It's brilliant, too. And, like, there's a thing that's, because it kind of goes through all Carpenter stuff, that even though it's taking a B-movie and stylizing it and elevating it to song that, you know, it, it shouldn't be, uh, there's always, like, a kind of wee political undercurrent there. I mean like that film's a complete skewer in a capitalism that's that's completely yeah. what that film's about it's about capitalism and you know basically just fucking 
fucking rampant the greed and they want they just buy things and materialism and stuff like that and Aye, because all, it, all all the aliens are the rich people yeah. and they're keeping the humans down and making them just work for nothing and all it does it in a very straight sort of black and white way and it doesn't have to go too much into detail about this so i mean like it can, it can have its cake and eat it you know it can be sort of politically secure and have these sort of bigger ideas but then it doesn't dwell on them enough it can because still it's still a lot fun. of fun as well yeah. like it's still a lot of fun but um and as well, one thing that I've always loved, I think that when he puts on the glasses, when he puts on the glasses, everything he sees kind of black and white. When you can actually see the aliens' faces, and you can see like the hidden meshes obeying, yeah. you know, consume and stuff. But I think it, it's the cinematography. It, it looks amazing. It looks really, really stirring. Just yeah. the contrast between how colorful and saturated, you know, the other half of the film is. I think it's one of, well, again, it's just one of Carpenter's achievements and how his films look, which is another thing that he's underrated for. Because they all look mighty fine. <laughs> there's, there's a scene really close to the end where there's an explosion. And I don't know why it stood out to me so much, but there's an explosion. And you just, it's just kind of like a close-up of Roddy Piper. And you just kind of see the explosion background. But it just looked amazing. And I don't know why, but it just it really stood out to me. It's like, fuck, that was a class-looking explosion. Even though you mostly just see Roddy Piper. Like, but yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's, he's just a genius, man, you know? Not Roddy Piper. Like. Roddy Piper was good. He like, could be. Him. He could be a genius. He's dead now, unfortunately. Yeah, oh. Died recently. Yeah. Sad. But John Carpenter, I'm sorry. We keep battling on about him in this series, but if you haven't watched enough, then watch him. I'm grabbing Dom's knife right now. I'm getting all frustrated. Shall put the knife down? Okay. <laughs> I will. Yes, sir. I will, I'm, I'm working my way through. I have three def, definite, definite ones. I give you a solid 10. Like we discussed before, ignore everything after 94. <laughs> I've, I've watched. I've watched. I've watched a good couple of his films, even though uh, did he he directed Escape from LA, didn't he? Yes, that's 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 after okay. ninety four. Yeah, <laughs> is it? That that's, that's, that, that's the first one after ninety four. See, you know the way like people here really really obsessed with Elvis and Tupac and stuff say, oh like like he, 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 no actually no it's the Paul McCartney myth. Like oh Paul McCartney died years ago and they just replaced him with Paul McCartney look like. I think John Gertner died in nineteen ninety four, and they just replaced <laughs> him with like this old man. I, I swear to God, like. I'm convinced that a man that talented... You need to circulate that I, because I people need, need to know. I didn't need to. People, heard <laughs> people it first. need to know. Well, John but Carpenter might have something to say about it. <laughs> 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 you know what, Carpenter? I'm not dead! <laughs> yeah, Mr. Carpenter, yeah. if you're listening, please get in contact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do. But uh, Tell us why you got shite after an <laughs> <laughs> interview. In fairness, you know what, Liz? I think that the sort of films that Carpenter done that were really iconic... Uh, back in like the late seventies and like the whole eighties and stuff, and maybe even early nineties, I think they just and I don't think it's any coincidence. Now this is maybe going out in a fucking serious one here, but around ninety four, yeah, you, know, you have Pulp Fiction, and then Pulp Fiction kind of completely changed the landscape of cinema in the mid to late nineties, and it all became sort of a lot more indie, and it became you know a lot more self aware and meta, and you know there's a lot of Tarantino rip offs and stuff like that, and I think the sort of films that John Carpenter was making just kind of uh, weren't in style anymore and then he didn't really have the opportunity to be able to make them and then the, the scripts that he did get maybe it was maybe he was just looking for work because obviously he wasn't getting as many opportunities they, they just weren't up to scratch and then he, he done two particularly bad ones which was ghosts on ghosts of mars yeah and vampires Wait, ice cube yeah, ice cube uh, Vampires with James Woods as well, which actually isn't that bad, but it's just really not good. I know it's just, just one of those ones. James Woods sell more than anything. Yeah, it pretty much is. And then after that, he just kind of went to the same retirement. Had one film which was released in 2008 called The Ward, but it just felt like a, what would you say, like a conveyor belt sort of 
insane asylum thriller. It doesn't feel like it's. I think it's his only film. It doesn't feel like a John Carpenter film. Uh, I don't know if he's done it for money or whatever. But it seems like now he's just kind of more focused on music because he's just released his first album, Lost Themes, which is fucking class. Oh, really? He's What's actually turned Lost Themes. It's, it's it's class because it's obviously one of the, the main things that people talk about with Carpenter is the fact that he done most of his own soundtracks and he kind of... The music in there is good as oh, well. It's so good, but it kind of... It, it, the music, that, that that sort of synthy piano score that he used to do in all his films just really fits with the aesthetic here too. And everything mm. just fits in it. It does become like a... It's like a total package, like a brand. It's like a John Carpenter brand, you know what I mean? Hence why most of his films are John Carpenter's, yeah, whatever. Film. But he even says that in another interview too. He says that it wasn't any sort of egotistical thing where he says John Carpenter such and such. It was trying to make his name a brand. So when they seen John Carpenter, like, oh, his films were they, like that. Yeah, they, they sound like that. They, they kind of like. go this way. But uh, in regards to uh, the music now, it is just Lost Themes, that new album, his first one. It's just like a collection of all like the best sounds of, of certain films from you know back in the 80s that he done it's all new stuff like but yeah. he started to turn I'm like I, I would love to see John Carpenter play like fucking Glastonbury or something <laughs> just, just as we meek mannered man with a white moustache nearly baldy head and white, wee white ponytail he could have such there. a good back catalogue for his like you know his oh. show his visual display you know Perhaps even like I, I, concert visual display what would that be exactly Jeez, that'd be cool. class. and I was thinking too but no, no way like sometimes like I've seen it like uh, they uh they would like show Lord of the Rings or something, but have like a live orchestra play the music. Imagine they show like Halloween and John Carpenter just a. Never do a sex pack. I'm at forty five. Doesn't care like. Just just we want finger just. But I was thinking to him like even all joking aside, say was they play like you know Glastonbury or like some big festival because he is playing quite a few big festivals across Europe this year. He could obviously do all his lost theme stuff, but I think people would fucking shit their bags if he started whopping a live version of the Halloween theme. Like, yeah. everybody knows that theme. Everybody like, what? Some people it's who... Like, somebody's getting fucking stabbed. Uh, some people who maybe had slightly too many pills would be like freaking oh. out. <laughs> <laughs> I, he just has somebody dressed as fucking Michael Myers oh. walking through the crowd. <laughs> Or not, you know what? It'd be such a fucking. I love we were just planning the PR campaign of fucking John Carpenter. <laughs> but you know, be class if you got like say, like usually there's a good couple of thousand people at a festival. But even if you like employ like fifty big sort of bulky actors, they all dress up as Michael Myers. So they're all just, just standing there the and they just stick on the mask. Yeah. That would be fucking horrifying. Because speaking as like I seen somebody dressed up as like it was a really good Michael Myers costume like a couple of Halloweens ago, and just even walking past them, it was genuinely just creepy. Yeah. And it's that big dead white William Shatner fist. Uh, <laughs> he was just so scary. Like, that worked for William Shatner for years. <laughs> he just moved so slow, but he was always right behind you. Just... <laughs> no, he was always there. Is there not like a theory that like he's an alien or something? <laughs> See, in the earlier Halloween, that's like, making it more scary. Halloween one and two, which are the only two that the Carpenter. Well, he was he was involved with three too, but only as a producer. And we're just going off now. Yeah, Carpenter cast here, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on them very quickly. But Halloween 1 and 2, he directed the first one, and then he was involved in writing the second one. Didn't actually direct it, but he was like, a, like a, the main producer. And he always wanted Michael Myers to just actually be human. But that's the most threatening thing. He was supposed to be like the complete symbol of evil. You know the way like a lot of villains you'll see, especially modern villains now, like anti-heroes and stuff, they'll be like this um, this element of their character that's actually kind of forgivable. You can understand what they're doing this stuff. Character didn't want that whatsoever. He just wanted Michael Myers to be complete evil and there's no redeeming qualities and he, th- he said that he thought the scariest thing about Michael Myers is that Michael Myers is just evil for no reason you know nothing's actually happening he's just a mad cunt you know what I mean Did so, oh sorry no go on no all I was, was going to say in regards to uh, 
in regards to that is that then with the later Halloweens, because it's, in all fairness, the series probably shouldn't have went on as much as what it did, but obviously... Well, they got like, the 20, didn't they? H2O? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think all the others ate Halloweens, and that's not including the Rob Zombie remix, but... Uh, so I think there's, like, 10 or 11 all together, but it's hard to keep that sort of slow-walking psychopath stalking you interesting you know what i mean yeah so then as it went on they tried to crowbar on all these you know kind of subplots and always oh, you know he's fucking like maybe he's alien or not an alien but maybe he's from another world and shit like that and i know it doesn't work i think it's actually scarier when you think he's human Aye. you know what i mean i know that's what i was going to say did they ever like try and go back and like explain how you got evil like as a baby like give him some kind of backstory that way in like yeah. the later on ones I don't even remember I think that there's the definitely Rob Zombie ones that I know, oh, Rob okay. Zombie. see I, I've only I only watched like the first I think 20 months of Rob Zombie one not that it's, well I, it was bad I've, I've seen far worse but it's just I had no interest in it if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, well, she... Well, I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, she up. was okay. <laughs> she was nice, wasn't she? She was, she was, a, she was a nice scare. Oh, she was a dope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Harry always I, lost them. I messed up my words. Uh, I'm talking about no one. <laughs> Use your words, Michael. Use your words. Okay, we shall move on to... Topest, 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 Right, well, even though none of us, bar Kiva, who's starting to worry about And he's the only one that has to work after this. She has demanded that we do another shot of this topaz Icelandic whatever the fuck it is. So I've I've poured <laughs> us like vodka shot. Vodka shot. So I've poured us a couple of drinks here. Kiva, there's yours. There you are, dear. Thank you. And, and then Michael. we're going to go into topics in case anyone was confused. <laughs> right, it's okay. We'll do another one. I'm fuck it. We do just let's get over and done. We okay. one, two, three, go. Snatch it. That was worse. Uh, oh. Oh, it's way worse. It's way worse. It's worse than the second you know I think it's, it's way worse because you know what they expect. You build up too much in your head. Oh, no, because we didn't shake it. 
Oh. <laughs> Do another one, shake it up. <laughs> Just shake it inside you. No, I swear oh. Shake no, it. No, no jokes. I feel a bit of bug coming up my throat here. Ah, shit. Do you grand. need a bucket? No, we're grand, we're grand. I can run going. quickly get a bucket. No, it's fine. No, watch we it should have a bucket in here. No, I'll just wash it down with this vodka. That's always bad as well. When you have to wash it down with vodka. Ugh. That's <sighs> oh, salt. Mickey, let's, really that, is, let's salt. just keep that momentum going here. I don't want to think about this too much. Vodka, Scott. Um, okay. <laughs> so our first topic uh, is uh, this week, Sean Parker of Napster fame, played Dude. by Justin Timberlake in The Social Network. Yes. The biggest compliment anyone can get. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine they're doing a movie of your life and Justin Timberlake was playing you there. You would have such a fucking ego on you. I know. I mean, like, say you were, like, really fucking ugly and you had, like, maybe, say, like, in all fairness, I've always seen John Hamm playing myself in the story of my life. Yeah, I could picture John Hamm sitting in a tent like this. <laughs> you being played by, say, Timothy Spall. <laughs> Timothy at Spall. least, at least, give me Foggy <laughs> from fucking Daredevil. <laughs> you know what? Actually, aye, aye, that could work. What do you call him? El- Eldred Henson or something? No clue. What about Zach Galifianakis? Zach Galifianakis? <laughs> That's not I, fucking very good. No, well, to be fair, he's lost some weight. He's probably better looking than me at this point. Too bad. But continue, my. Ah, uh, yeah, Sean Sean Parker. He started this. I don't think it's actually up and run yet, but he has this new thing of. It's called the screening room, where he's ah. he's offering us. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you, Harry? Your, your, <laughs> your dog got your dog butt, Harry. <laughs> I think he doesn't like Harry. <laughs> Bitch. I've got that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's starting this thing called the screening room where it, it's giving you the ability to watch new release films that are out in the cinema at home. Yeah. So there's there's a special box you have to get, which is a hundred and fifty dollars. And I was reading an article like up from ITV, it said that's like a hundred and five pound. Yeah, but I mean, just just to clarify, because I only read it because until you told me about it yesterday, I hadn't really much a clue what you were talking about. So I just did a bit of background reading last night. This at the moment is still only like kind of in a further idea stage. These boxes I, haven't even been made yet. No, 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 yeah, I think it's like he's just kind of putting it out there. Yeah. Like it's it's gonna happen at some point, but like he's starting it up or whatever. But yeah, so you need a box for $150 or £105, according to ITV. I don't know if they literally just did a conversion or if it was yeah. announced that it was <laughs> a different price. But then they rent a film from it. It's $50 or £35. Yeah. But what is it? It's like when, if you rent it, it's not like you only rent it for, a, you, like, you have it for 48 hours or something? Ah, uh, you have it for 48 hours. But even fucking £35 for 48 hours, man. But uh, it's... It's that he's actually got a bit of backing, like uh, Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson, and there's I think there's a couple other boys. J.J. Abrams as well. J.J. Abrams, yeah, they they were in support of this, but then James Cameron and Christopher Nolan. They're all against it. And, and James Cameron's producing partner, we call him. Uh, Elad Hurd. No, 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 I don't think it's that. I know that John Landis is against it too. Oh, really? But nobody cares about his opinion anymore. What about Max? Was Max Philbin? <laughs> Max Landis should be a topic on this show one time. I think he's an interesting cat. Very, very interesting cat. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, but James Cameron and Christopher Nolan, like, say that they weren't in support of it. It takes away from the cinema experience and just, just thought we would have a discussion. Like, would would you be into getting one of these boxes? Do you think it's too expensive? Do you see the opportunity in mm, watching Maybe it? it could be something that, you know, maybe you did as a group, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't really... Like I wouldn't, I would. If you're one person, 
you're cheaper to go yourself to the cinema. Yeah, that that's what a lot of people were saying. Uh, in the sort of articles I was reading, they were weighing up the pros and cons and stuff like that, and they were saying, well, really, the way the reason that Sean Parker has kind of stated that he wants to do this is that a lot of people just wouldn't be bothered to travel to the cinema and you know actually have to pay for food and especially with families if you have to bring kids and stuff like that so it's more aimed at families who maybe don't go to the cinema that much so they can actually watch it you know in the comfort of their own home so i think definitely as a as a single person you would you would obviously just go to the cinema you're not gonna pay fucking 35 pound to watch a film and just have it for two days you'll fucking yeah. walk down the street to the cinema but if you get a few mitts around get them to pay a fiver each or something <laughs> See, that, that doesn't sound too bad i'm not i'm not a hundred percent against it i actually think I'm, I'm sort of 50 50 with i do think that the actual cinema experience and actually going there and just being in a big crowd it's almost like a night out there's a social aspect there. Yeah. i think that's really really important and there's a good buzz because then your night can maybe lead on after you can like go to a bar you might you know do whatever else it's just there's a certain sort of buzz about going to the cinema and I, I, I don't know but at the same time there could be a sort of new social thing with with the screening room thing because like you say not only could you get a couple of friends around who each pay like a five each for a film but you know unlike in the cinema you could fucking you know you could drink away and you could have all your own food and stuff again you can make a night of it you can yeah. pause I mean, it to go to the toilet yeah, yeah you can pause that's it, a big thing see, that's a big <laughs> thing you can pause <laughs> it to go to the yeah. toilet and stuff again and three hour long bastards yeah, yeah. I had a big Oscar bitters that's a good time Oscar baiters like, <laughs> people just get off on the Oscars <laughs> <laughs> like me and you yeah we start holding hands after spotlight one <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I like the idea of it. I just don't know if it would have legs. I think after it kind of came out and it was like a big novelty. Oh, let's you know, let's get the family together and watch like a brand new release on the day it's released. Or oh, let's get friends around. Let's all get fucked up and watch this comedy or whatever else I've been looking forward to seeing. Then after a while, I would just kind of think you'd be kind of get bored of doing that. You'd be like, you know what? I kind of must go into cinema. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not quite sure if there's enough of a market out there and what a lot of people were saying online when i was reading last night they were essentially saying that if you have a family because this is obviously what it's more direct at if you have a family who doesn't really go to the cinema that much and can really be barred and maybe they just rather watch on netflix it's more the pricing too are a family going to pay 35 pound to sit in their own living room and watch a film well if, if you have like four kids then for I, don't, I don't know putting a fiver on each like you know I, mean? I know but but like if if you're if you're taking your four kids to the cinema like I mean it'll be a fortune I I like because uh, like get getting yeah. down to the cinema the, petrol, the, like, the, the, the ticket there, price like. and then like everybody needs popcorn drink or whatever you know mm. it it mounts up pretty quickly and I guess not so much here because you know we don't live too far from anything but in places where. I mean, maybe people have to drive like 45, mm. 50 minutes to get to their nearest cinema. That yeah. might be a shout too. Like. Yeah, I think that's a, it's, it's a really good point. I think that it would maybe work better in more sort of like big built up cities, big built up areas where maybe your nearest cinema is like fucking an hour away or something like that, or maybe even like half an hour away. And you've or got, even like, if family. you're more out in the country or more away, like further away from a big city, that yeah. if you want to go to the cinema, it's as a trek. You know what I, mean? I do definitely think it's a good thing. I was actually... The main article that I read last night about it was from uh, Dana Geek. Now, I wouldn't be on Dana Geek that much, but they, they do have some pretty good articles and they know what they're talking about. Like, And what they did say is that they like the fact that the film industry has embraced the notion and embraced just the fact in general that, you know, there's online pirating and, you know, that the cinema attendances are dropping and stuff like that because the way they compared it, oddly enough, with Sean Parker. When Sean Parker released Napster, that was one of, like, the first 
main sort of call celebrities of you know like online pirating and you know people not buying albums anymore or, or, or buying fucking singles or whatever and the way the music industry reacted to that was with anger and like they reacted and saying oh we're going to shut all these sites down and we're going to do this we're going to do that and they didn't actually look at it like a, a sort of logistical way of actually realizing that the Spreading world uh, yeah if, if they, they if they actually embraced that yeah and turned it into something where they could maybe make some money from it even through advertising not necessarily people paying for it yeah. then they probably would be in a better spot than what they are now i mean like you have stuff like that now like like vivo and stuff on like even just on youtube i mean that's essentially the music industry uh because everybody has their own vivo and then that's the official videos for the yeah. things and they make money off the youtube views or the ads or whatever you know that's hundred percent because I mean obviously what they were saying is if the music industry had reacted differently and actually just not have been so kind of out of touch and out of date with what was happening in the world and realized how big the internet was and realized that the way people were consuming music was completely changing you know people weren't going to go to a shop and buy a CD anymore if they could just sit in the comfort of their own home and download an album now, fair enough I know that there's a lot of people out there who would just all download it for free as opposed to maybe going through iTunes or something like that but it's actually making the effort to you know try and change that in a way and i think that's the film industry maybe has a bigger advantage in the fact that if you download an album more likely the sound quality is going to be grand you know what i mean but yeah. if you're downloading a pirate film you know yourself you, we all watch some fucking pretty shitty screeners or you know stuff literally done inside a backpack on like a shitty home camera out of focus and all that uh, you know so somebody walks in front dead and somebody walks in front of you you can hear noises or people laughing or you know doing whatever else in the actual cinema some fucking key jangler <laughs> some <laughs> key jangler right <laughs> so i do sorry what are you gonna say no i just hate the key janglers <laughs> <laughs> the coin janglers the coin janglers especially just fucking, some fucking janglers don't go to the fucking cinema like you know what i mean Jangle your keys in your fucking house. <laughs> oh, actually, there you go. That's what the screening one would do. It would keep the key janglers in the house. <laughs> That's Woo! the tagline. <laughs> keep your keys in the house. <laughs> We're on this on here. Get Sean Parker on the phone. Fuck, you know I mean? We've got his tagline. But uh, I think uh, a worry that kind of James Cameron was putting across was, is, is this kind of... Because like, c- cinema attendance has been going down and like less people are going to mm-hmm. the cinema. Like, is this, like, another nail in the coffin of people not going? See, what's strange is that that, that was originally my main worry when you kind of brought up the topic last night, because I'm not going to lie, I didn't even hear about the screen room concept until last night. But uh, from what I was reading from Dana Geek and the other sort of articles I was reading around is that what they're looking on the doing, because, you know, a lot of, like, cinema chains have kind of thrown their opinion at this and says, oh, obviously this is just going to kill cinema, cinemas off and stuff. Apparently, one of the main stipulations is that if Screening Room does get up on its feet, then like that's like twenty five percent of each purchase is going to go to the cinema. Uh, the twenty percent goes towards uh, uh, theaters, like cinema. But what what I don't understand, right? I understand the concept of actually being able to take whatever money and then you know putting that aside for cinema chains. But how are they going to? You know, the how are they going to decide what cinemas get? What is it going to be considerable from the local area, like geographically? Like so, no. say if hypothetically speaking putting it in our own sort of uh, experience say we say you got a screening room box and say a new film came out and us four here sitting here now we all came round sat and enjoyed the film does that mean that the 20% of our purchase goes to like maybe the Strand Cinema or down to the movie bowl or something like that I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Understand. even if it does I don't get that like yeah, wh- why why would you have to pay at cinema that you're not even going near yeah 
Like, but, I don't get that. Because I, I was a bit confused with that as well, but then I was reading a thing, like, they're on about, like, making partnerships with big cinema chains. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- this was all set in America, so, they, like, they were talking to, like, AMC and... and Apparently, AMC are really behind it. Aye, because they're like they... The, they're the, are they not the biggest cinema chain in fucking America? Like? I don't... Uh, they're one of the biggest, like, I don't know if they're the biggest. But, yeah, like, that's the thing I read. Like, they're, they're on about making partnerships with these cinemas, but... If it's just making a partnership and then they get twenty percent of the money, then I don't think that really means like your local cinema is going to get mm. part of the money. Mm. Like, I mean, because like, See, what, that, like that is dangerous. Like, like the Strand Cinema is part of a chain yeah. of Omniplex, which is all around Ireland. Mm. But then the the other one, the Bull and I, that's just that's that, that's an independent one. So mm. I don't I don't think that could really get a part of this. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's the kind of independent ones are the ones. Or even small chains that don't really get a bit of the pie. Then I do, I do think that is dangerous because I mean that will start to kill out kind of smaller cinemas that a lot of people would frequent and obviously have a lot of charm or mean a lot to, to certain people. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean I think that if they are going to start screening them, if, if you know if it's kind of greenlit and stuff like that, I think that they would have to more like they'll do a trial run in America first. They yeah. see how that goes, you know. I mean, because America is a different beast than you know Ireland and how our cinema are set up. Because there could be certain cities in America that might have like you know nine, ten different cinemas, whereas here you might just have the one or two. And they, you know, I guarantee that most cinemas in Ireland are not part of any sort of chain. You know what I mean? So it'd be kind of cool if you like say you bought a film, had it for forty eight hours, and then then within forty eight hours after that you got. 30% off a cinema ticket or something yeah. they still encourage yeah I know it's trying to you know keep cin- you know home cinema but yeah. like like is the is the kind of end goal like what is there is it to like promote both like are you or is it really the like start of a slow death of like the film house you know yeah it, it was kind of weird because when they were when I was watching the discussion about it last night they were saying that sort of 50-50 stance is it going to be the death knell or is it in a way going to enhance cinema and maybe actually pump more money into it? It's it's hard to say at the moment because it is and it's kind of infantile stages. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's a very interesting concept. When you first said it to me, I thought, oh, no chance, that's awful. But then when I started reading around it and thinking, oh, that could work. There, see, is, there is an audience for that. Like personally, I think there would be films you want to see in the cinema and then films you wouldn't mind just watching at home. Yeah. I mean, because, like, yeah. the, even your own setup at home, like, I mean, I have a decent-sized TV and, like, an, a nice <laughs> and a nice kind of sound system or whatever, Ooh. so, like, fuck off, I'm not bragging, I'm just talking about what I'm like, just great. I'm just talking about what I got. You got a bigger t- TV than me, you dicks. Mikey <laughs> says he had TV, I bought a, a new TV a couple months back, and Mikey said he had TV envy. He has a couple He's... inches on me. <laughs> <laughs> and more ways than one. Um, Do we know... Like, I know it's obviously in its, like, early stages, but do we know if you kind of get anything more with it? Well, you see... You got what, a popcorn machine? What, <laughs> <laughs> what, what you were saying, though, about, like, offering, like, a discount, I think there might actually be something in that as well, because with talk, reading about the partnership with AMC and, like, them getting some of the money, I think there was a thing in there about offering out free tickets then, in some way, but it yes, might exactly. be it might be for the film that you've seen or something. Exactly right. No, I, I'm not sure if it's for the film you've seen, but, but it's it's to keep the attendance in the cinemas. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about that. That is that's correct as well. That um, if screening room was to take off, if you are like obviously uh, if you rent a certain film or something, like that, you'll get free tickets. Now it's not specified what the free tickets will be, 
I'm assuming the way this is going to be done with the distributors and stuff like that there, it'll more likely be that if you buy, say, a fucking Paramount film, then you'll get tickets to the, maybe the next Paramount release yeah. or something like that. Because they're not going to give you fucking tickets to the even, same like, film. Yeah. Or the same film, or they're not going to give you tickets to you know, an opposing uh, studio. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. But like, what I mean is, like, so say when you buy this £105 box and you pay £35 for a film that you have for 48 hours and then maybe another film that you're interested in isn't going to be released for like two months you know maybe i don't know yeah like is there anything like you know can you pre-order but like just standard on the box like is there stuff you can watch that's on there or is is it literally just just renting from what i hear like I, like it's like you're talking more something like Amazon Prime, like you get some free stuff, but then there's rent and or, stuff. Or, or maybe like say like you could watch like back catalog films for yeah. like five pound yeah. or something. Yeah, you know like. Yeah, well, know. that that could be stuff they put on there. Like I mean, as you said, like it's it like I don't think it's an actual thing yet. It's more just a thing that he's it's trying an, to build it's an up. Idea so that's it's conceptual gone, at the minute. Happen, so yeah. they hey, there could be deals and shit. Like I think though, I mean like it's, but a it's, two for one, you know. Yeah, but yeah, two for two for Tuesday or something. <laughs> but uh, and then you get a Domino's pizza. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm starting to like this more and more as it goes on. Even though we're all making money, it's not even real. <laughs> you used to rent films from Domino's. What? Like you would order a pizza and they would bring you a DVD as well. What? Well, I can't remember this. Was it with it was, extra visit or something? No, it was just Domino's. Did it? It was a while ago thing. It was all. They like, don't do it anymore because hey. obviously nobody does. <laughs> do, do you want a dessert? Are you sure you don't want a dessert? Pick your movie and mom. But she's giving me pizza. <laughs> <laughs> what, I've got a film ready. <laughs> I just want to eat your fucking pizza once I'm watching that film. Clearly it just shows me and Kiva order more Domino's than Shannon <laughs> Ari. Than the average person. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did. It was we on there for like a day and me and Kiva both seen it. Like. See, and saying that too, uh, excuse me, sorry. Um, Obviously it's a very early idea and stuff now, but I'd be very surprised that if Screening Room was greenlit and it kind of went and it even became semi-successful, that they then wouldn't try to double their toe on the, the streaming market and try and compete with Netflix. You know what I mean? No, it's a, it's a different animal. Like. Yeah, but I would say that it is a different animal in the fact that it's a rental for a new film, but if it was coming successful and obviously they're trying to maybe even sweep up the market, I'd be surprised if they didn't try and maybe not you know buy a back catalog of films that you could just rewatch because Netflix has that pretty much nailed down, but maybe if they didn't start doing their own original content too. I I maybe do own original content, but even the way it's pitched now, it's it's a premium product. Like, I mean, you have to spend one hundred and fifty pounds just to get the box without yeah. getting anything else, yeah. and then like it's fifty dollars or one hundred fifty dollars and fifty dollars to rent the film, like, and it is premium, and it's because they're new release films, like, so I think I don't know what's what I was going to say. No, <laughs> you know what? I, I don't like the idea. No, no. I really don't. I, I like the idea of going to the cinema. Mm. You know, like, here's us talking about going to watch Batman Superman next week. Yeah. That, like, midnight yeah. show. Like, something like that doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, it's something that you look forward to. Aye, uh, it does. Aye, it's an event. Like, like when me and Chan went to go see Star Wars, like, I mean, we, we went down there a couple hours before. We were standing in an ungodly long line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but you have a bit of crack, but you kind of enjoy it. Well, I do, I know, I don't know. No, <laughs> I like that too. I th- there's just a, there's a whole thing. That there's this sort of, like we're saying... It is like a sort of social aspect. Of because, it. like, if you even take it to like a different medium of like the Harry Potter books, they had midnight launches for the Harry Potter books. Well, are you going to go buy the Harry Potter book at midnight and then immediately go home and read it? Like, you know yeah, what I mean? You know. The whole book for I like five hours or I whatever. Think cinema and, and much like music does too, they have that thing where maybe literature 
doesn't they're reading the book doesn't I mean there's a great thing about reading the book yourself and just relaxing and stuff but there's a different sort of vibe about going to a live music gig or even just going to a bar and watching a bit of live music or going out and seeing a film and I think that's it's really hard to follow it's really hard to catch that you know what I mean yeah. and I think that's where I think that will be screening room's biggest enemy but at the same time I think the fact that we don't really know how it's going to go it, it, it's a very interesting idea and it's in a way it's very exciting you know some of it does kind of worry me too but I think that until obviously it's been implemented or even if it does get implemented or, or green up we're not quite sure but I just think that the main thing is that it just shows how much uh, of how we consume films or how much of how we kind of tech media in is completely changed I mean Netflix was only the first small step and yeah, and a big fucking change of what's happened. And I, th- I, I think this, is, this is the next step because it's just, it's just the, it's, it seems like the natural step of the way people are consuming media in general. Mm-hmm. Anyway, because everything is just at home in your hands, like on a phone or whatever. And uh, it's, it's just like, are the, is the cinema industry going to kind of fight against that as the music industry did? And they all nod cinemas like because that because that's all cinemas really have going for them at the minute is like this is the first place you can see this yeah. film. But if, I, I see, but that, like we we're just saying, I don't think that's the only thing. I think because we've been brought up in it. Well, in all fairness, not just us, but every generation who's ever been brought up since cinemas have existed have been brought up in the sort of just that sort of. Like, I, I don't want to keep saying social aspect, but just that, that that sort of idea that this this is so different, this is so new, because let's be honest with you, like, I mean, we could go to the bar every night, and, you know, sometimes it gets a bit bored. We wouldn't go to the cinema as much, but when you go to the cinema, it's like a different night out, you know what I mean? There, there's something yeah. fun about it, there's something just kind of niche about, about going there. And kind of here, it's one of, like, say you want to go out for a night here, yeah. where, where we're from, the northwest of Ireland, really, I mean, really, what are your options? Mm. You can go out and drink, or you can go to the cinema yeah. in the evening time. I mean, like, so, I mean, maybe it's you know, it's yeah, for us, it's like socially a thing to do. You know, it's like a night out, but maybe for other people, it's like it's not. You know, because they have other so much interesting things. In fucking New York or Paris or Berlin, I guarantee that there's fucking a lot more things you'd be doing than going to the cinema. But that's that's also another very interesting. Right, so, that we, that so, we watch, so watching that. Just on a on an off night where you're not doing something, just sit and have a few people around, just watch all the new Die Hard film or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's actually interesting. We'll not go on there because we could we could talk about this all day because it is all very speculative. But like Kiva was saying there, right? there is definitely like a socio-economic aspect there too. I mean, yeah. like people who are in maybe kind of cities like us that are kind of small cities that maybe don't have a lot nightlife wise. You know, going to cinema might be a big thing, whereas in like a big city like New York, if you had a lot of shit to do, but you still want to see the new release, you could do it in your home. You know what I mean? Aye. So it's an interesting one. And it, it, it like, I'm, I can't remember if I already said this or not, but <laughs> like, it, like, if for for me, it would be there's some films you would watch at home and some films you you would want to yeah. see in the cinema. And then going back to the whole family aspect, like if the new Pixar film is out and you have three kids. And yeah. they're young and they're screaming and uncontrollable. Do you really want to venture out into the real world <laughs> and yeah. try and take control of your kids in a cinema? Or do you want to pay £35 and you can sit them down in front of your TV? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like ideally, you know, like for families. Or just more, groups of people. Yeah, like, groups, I mean, like, if, yeah. like even like 
like uni people or something like if you you live in a house with six or seven people and you all just yeah. sit around and watch the film and I, but, sorry go ahead Keith. i was just gonna say like i've i've just thought of the actual real target audience is the the mtv crib homeowners with yeah. their like home cinemas yeah they can pay 35 pound or 50 dollars and have like 100 people there <laughs> I, I, well yeah. you, you could try about a mechamonic get a fiver off each time as well yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> But see, we keep going uh, back to this thing. Now, I do think that it's obviously one of the main strengths that Screen Room might have, you know, kind of going towards that family thing, that shouldn't thing about people who might just want to sit in their house and watch a certain type of film. I know you were saying that there's certain types of films that, you know, you'll always want to go see in the cinema. But then at the same time, this is why I'm saying will it have legs? Because, say, hypothetically speaking, you would have a family who maybe watched one or two films through Screen Room. And they saved a bit of money, you know, and have they pay petrol or, you know, they got their own food and done that they pay the kind of extortionate price of popcorn yeah. or chocolates or whatever. But I just think that it's some that's kind of deep rooted in human nature that after a while, there's just something about getting out of your own surroundings. Aye, it, it'll out. become a bit boring. It'll become mm-hmm. a bit boring. And there's, I mean, like one of the main, and maybe this is what I was trying to touch on, and one of the main things about going to the cinema isn't just a social aspect, but it's even just the aspect of getting out of your house outside you know what I mean? outside. <laughs> outside to go back inside because it is it's, it's an excuse it's, it's awful to say to you but it's an excuse for a night out and you know you do get bored sitting in the house and like one of the fucking main things since you know time remembrance has been maybe going out on a friday or saturday night to go see a film and then maybe go out for a couple of nights after yeah. so i think you'll lose a lot of that buzz if no don't get me wrong it, it may have its place seeing a certain film if you don't really have the money to tickle your kids or maybe you just want a couple of friends around the house because you want to have a couple of drinks that's all well and good but I think after a while you'll be like oh we just sitting in your house again and watching that can we not just go to the cinema and yeah. do it you know what I mean I just thought of a thing as well the kind of legal aspect of this that like we were saying you could have a few people around and get them to pay a fiver are you technically making like money and you're not a real cinema yeah. I mean like like we, we, we do the Bennigan's phone call what if we got one of these boxes and then charge people four quid to come in and watch oh, a new release that's like, actually you know, an amazing point that is an amazing point just because like because like we're doing it legally at now but, like, <laughs> but, but, like we, we like we we pay the license to show a public yeah. viewing of a film and it's however much money yeah but if we had one of these boxes, like, we could essentially just become like like a what's bar the licensing on like that? Is, then? is it like restrict? It's probably going to have like aye, but, aye, restricted aye, to aye, your house. Aye, it's the same so, yeah. thing of like DVDs. Like it's a public. Is it a public viewing or a private viewing kind of thing? But you know, there's there's some room. There's room for like nefarious activities in yeah, there. Yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. I, but I reckon see the way, whatever people who have Sky in their house pay about maybe 60, 70 quid. Bars minimum sixteen hundred quid. Yeah, for Sky. true. That's true. So it might even if you want to have. Oh, you maybe, can have like a bar version where it's like I. Maybe if you want to have, I, I would love to see because concern how many people like a bar, a usual even standard bar can hold. I would love to see what if the, this was the case. I would love to see what screening rooms fucking fee was for a bar. Yeah, <laughs> I would guarantee it would essentially be maybe even the licensing fee that a cinema would have. I know it'd be basically the same. Yeah, probably the same because like us doing the film club like for a film that's out on dvd we pay what 80 to 100 pound yeah. for uh, the public license like mm. and so, so if it was a new release well, i mean the new release at the minute like because we did search this it's like thousands isn't it yeah when we were first was, setting it up we were first setting it up yeah see it was it's hearing the things about that aspect of it but uh i'm nearly sure that it was like i up around even even for some that was released in the past couple months it was like 450 to 500 pound yeah 
And that is maybe a new release. A new release would be a couple of grand, I'd say. Be here, a wee sneaky scram box. I was just saying, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Shh. Don't advertise or anything. Just be all, hey, fucking phone. Well, you're fucking advertising. <laughs> <this>. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, because one of the 40 people listening to this is a fed. Like. <laughs> Could possibly be. We're not going to do it anyway. Like. And, like, maybe like uh, maybe there's another group of people who would be against, you know, the idea of this boxer. Does, does it have a name right, yet? Cinema style. The screening room. Screening room. So I think, you know, people who enjoy voyeuristically fondling at the cinema. Oh, yes, I don't think yes. they're going to be, they're gonna be like, what we what no i'm not doing this fucking living room like that's <laughs> too front, normal in front of all your friends like, <laughs> yeah. they say I, this I every day i trade off i lose lawyers you, as well who like, used they, who, to, like they used to when he sit there and do it in front of your wife <laughs> <laughs> she sees it every day <laughs> but yeah just to kind of wrap up we'll go around and say would we get one harry no shan i don't think i'd personally get one not just because of the sort of financial aspect it's um, but because I just like going to cinema, but at the same time, I would completely understand why people would get one, and I, I kind of like the idea too of maybe being able to go around to a friend's house and watch a new release and get blocked and you know smoke a couple of fags and stuff like that. There, <laughs> that's appealing. But at the same time, I, I, I love going to cinema, and just just to, to, to put a curtain on it, cinemas. I'm saying this very very. Uh, I'm putting my neck out here. Cinemas will never die. And the reason being that they will never die because, believe me, they went through a lot of, maybe not bigger obstacles, but a lot of huge obstacles before. Put this way, cinema survived fucking the dawn of TV. Man. And that's when they were properly on their back and they came back again. They'll always find new ways. You know, they're all fucking smart people who run studios and who run cinema chains. They'll be able to get people on. And I think even though that because they've been going for fucking, you know, around or maybe just over 100 years, they know how to get their audience. And and they know that there's almost like and and I wouldn't say an, a nostalgic and a social thing about doing it. So I don't think it'll ever fully die out. But I, I, I do like the idea of screen room. I just don't think I would personally get one. Kiva, I think I would go in for one. You know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. I say, like right, me and three friends. Hey guys, I know you <laughs> <laughs> Mickey. I don't know your opinion, but you're the only one. <laughs> they both said no. Um, but yeah, if you were, you know, willing to like. Will split the upfront cost of the box, Aye. then and then like decide on films. If you say you wanted a film and I wasn't that into it, you could start. You know, Aye. your friends could do that. Like, but I would definitely go in for one. I don't think financially, I it would be worth me ju- for myself. I do it on your own. No, is isn't doesn't make sense. Because, like. uh, a point you made earlier was that there's no Shan. I'm the same as you. I love going to the cinema. It's like yeah. it's an experience thing for me. But I've definitely been to the cinema and said afterward, I, honestly, I would have been happy, just as happy watching that at home. Yeah. You know, so I would. I would go on for one, definitely. Boom. I know. I'm I'm kind of the same opinion as Kiva. Like, I would I would entertain the idea of getting the box just so, like, once a month or once every couple of weeks or whatever, you just have mitts around and, like, everybody just covers the cost of the film and yeah. you all just sit and have a bit of crack. Well, see... I'm happy days and some quads on, so I didn't even have to fucking invest in this thing. But well, no, you no, you have to, you have to, if you, hey, if you don't help <laughs> pay, the, all, you're not invited. Hey, it's, <laughs> it, it's, hey, it's like a core group. Like whoever pays for the box, they get to come. You know, I'm always gonna be around. <laughs> I'm your best friend. I'm best man. I'll be there. Well, I'll so you're the, basically saying you would get one, only you don't want to pay for one. 
Well, it depends on the film, like, you know. Wait, wait, right, okay. Say, say if me and Kiva bunched together and got one, and then we were show, we were having a film here. Would you pay the fiver for the film? Aye, because I could smoke fags and just get blocked. <laughs> As opposed to paying seven pounds on the cinema. But it depends on the film, too. You see. Aye, well, well, oh, well, that's okay. That's kind of what I was. You know, like because there's like maybe there's a film that I honestly feel like I would have no interest in, so I'd be all, oh, I'm going to pass the night, work away. But I think the idea of like, say you have maybe two people going, five people going, you don't have to charge everyone a fiver. You just have to be all right. Divide the Aye, the divide cost the of the film could yeah. cost you two pound, could cost you ten pound. Yeah. You know what I mean. Okay, and we'll move into recommendations. Recommendations. Sa. Recommendations. Sa. Sa. Uh. 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 Ahari. <laughs> You made a weird. <laughs> we were just four friends making noises on a tent, and you made it weird. <laughs> Even Suki doesn't know what they did. <laughs> bite him! <laughs> Call her a bitch to to bitch. my face. She's a delicate flower. I but you're not saying it like in a terminal. Aye. Like you're you're derogatory. Like a derogatory. Yeah. Yeah. Female dog, female dog, this bitch. But yeah, you're not saying it that way. You're, no. You could, you could have just called her a dog if that's what you were doing. You were like, bitch. So a wee bitch. Yeah, but you weren't saying uh, that. You way. weren't saying like that. Don't try and talk about it. Wee <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wee bitch. Go on then, Mikey's furious. I'd be furious too. Anyway, continue, Michael. Hi, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is that's grand. Keep it with No, Harry, what's your recommendation? Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, oh fuck, I watched that recently there. It's, it's just came on it, Netflix. It Netflix. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I st- stuck it on last night just because I didn't know what to, what to be at last night. So You'd obviously seen it before, though. I've seen it before, aye, but just whacked it on last night. So I just re- recommend it. You know, and con- like I, went, I remember watching the first Captain America and I just thought it was just all right. Yeah. I, of of the first kind of run of Marvel films, it's probably the worst. It's very bad. Yeah, well, if it, well, if you include Iron Man two and that as well, I suppose. But but even at that, for, a, for I mean, like even like for the original film of the character, like the first Thor, I really enjoyed. The first Iron Man, I enjoyed. You know what I mean? First Captain America, it was it, it was all right. Like it was just about so. It's about by the numbers. It was a harder sell than the rest of them. It yeah. was it was kind of cool the way they made him skinny though. That, like yeah. the, the the effects on that and was the, pretty good. The best thing about the first one was Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But the second one, I went down. I I went into it not known, thinking uh, not high hopes for it. Yeah. But went into it. I really enjoyed it because it changed it from this kind of. You know, be Captain America, you know, fight this kind of soldier World War Two to kind of spy thriller. Yeah, that's yeah. You have to have the nail on the head. I love the fact, and I think it was something that we discussed uh, a few weeks back. But uh, obviously, if you've got a superhero film, it's just going to be you know sort of superhero structure. It's going to be that genre. It's just going to be you know this big bad coming. It's the first time in a long time, maybe besides you know the Dark Knight in a way being like a kind of crime thriller. It's the first time I've seen a superhero film, not just be a superhero film, but actually tick like a, almost like a, like a spy, like you were saying, a spy thriller, spy genre sort of aesthetic. Mm. 
and making it sound different because I mean there were sometimes I was watching the Water Soldier and it felt like fucking the Parallax View or Three Days at Condor <laughs> like it, it felt like a, a paranoia thriller from the 70s yeah. and I think that was kind of enhanced by the fact that Robert Redford was in there and he was in Three Days at Condor you know what I mean I know, like when he when he was actually casting that there was so much speculation about because everybody knew he was going to turn bad at some yeah. point like. But, like, I think that's definitely I, I've never like can speculate all you want and stuff like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've always thought that that was definitely about a stunt casting. Not only because it's Robert Redford who can still, you know, pull in a body and audience, but I thought, oh, it's a spy thriller. It's very can these early '70s spy thrillers. Three days are it just, it gives really it a bit of cred, like yeah, big time. I as well, it was that kind of surprise for me that because I, I had no idea who the Winter Soldier was. Never heard of him, heard of him before because I didn't really grow up knowing Captain America that well. But it was a surprise that. Winter Soldier is who he is. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. No, you can say Bucky. Everyone knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone knows it as Bucky. Right now. I mean, they. I think they gave that away in the trailers. I mean, it, well, I think it's trailer for pretty, the pretty well known. Captain America, but more or less gave it away. Yeah. Aye. We call him Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. Yeah. That's good. It's kind of weird as well because I mean that he's. They've done it a lot of times with Marvel, and we'll continue on very quickly because I know that recommendations is really short and succinct, but. Uh, They've done, they've taken characters beforehand that are really obscure and kind of made them bigger household names. But the Wonder Soldier was fuck all. I'm not even sure if he was even in the comics. I'm nearly sure it was near enough a creation for the films. No, no, it did, no. like he's, he? he's he's a recent kind of creation. Right, okay, so okay. he's uh, like I think he he was a big deal kind of when he came into it because the like even going off on Civil War like in the Civil War comic book like Captain America dies and then it's Bucky that takes over as like, he's the Winter Soldier and he takes over to be Captain America then, spoilers like, for Civil War it's not going to happen on the phone or I kill Chris Evans well they might do never know they're not but, <laughs> but yeah that's what happens in, in the comics like so he I think he, like maybe in the when was Civil War when was Civil War the it was comics. like the early 2000s aye so I think uh Winter Soldier was kind of early 2000s, maybe even like late 90s kind of creation. Like, so, but a, a lot of the Marvel stuff they actually take from the newer comics. I mean, like, even fucking Nick Fury, like, he's the ultimate uh, Nick Fury, like, because it's based on Samuel Jackson, yeah. you know. What I mean? So, a lot of the stuff they actually have in the films is from the newer comics, anyway. Like, but yeah, the Winter Soldier is a newer creation. Very well. Kiva, recommendation. Uh, this week, my recommendation is It's Such a Beautiful Day. Oh, that's really good. It's the first time I'd seen it last night. So it's a... Is that the animation? It's like an animated short. I think it's like 62 minutes. Yeah. It's roughly. Um, but honestly, it feels a lot longer than that. But you don't really want it to end. It, it Like, I actually had to pause it just to see how long, how long it passed. I thought I maybe re- misread the time. Yeah. And I thought it was, you know, I was on maybe it was like an hour or 60 minutes. But when I paused it, it was 40 minutes. And, <laughs> and it felt like I had been watching it for a long time. Yeah, It's just, a, it it's such a visually simple looking at the start style of animation. And it's kind of like stick figures that are in these wee kind of standalone windows. Um, and it's telling the story of, geez, I can't even remember his name now. But this guy who's obviously suffering from... Uh, the effects of some like disease or condition that we're not told about that that are that's affecting the way he's perceiving the world yeah and it's just crazy it's a pure journey and then there's a couple of throwbacks to childhood and it's just mad you're seeing all this through literally stick figure animation Mm. 
and then I I found out this morning that no, like they watch it. It's like it's visually like it it's in capturing for even as on the surface simple as it looks. But no computers were used at all, so it's all kind of hand hand on effects. And if you watch it, you'll there's a part where it's a lot of like collage and like coming in from behind. And I'm just curious, like how did they do it without a computer? It's yeah. it's it's exciting. But it's all it's or a lie. Could be. Um but it's it's definitely like a journey. It's it's a you'll go on a fucking far journey in sixty minutes with that film. It's impressive and slightly like complicated and about like sometimes he's seeing like reality, sometimes he's seeing his reality, sometimes it's illusions yeah. or hallucinations and it's just mad to watch it's definitely cool bam my recommendation is the knights of badass badassadom what badassadom it was a 2013 film starring your boy from kiva's film earlier ryan what was his name ryan quentin K-W-A-N-T-E-N. Quantum, Quantum. I, don't know what, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> you see his IMDb anometer will just shoot up at this book. Yeah. <laughs> I Quantum, yeah. Something like that. But yeah, it's him, Peter Dinklage, oh, yes. and uh, Summer Glau's in there as oh, well. Oh, yes. And Steve Zahn, if people know who yes, he is. Yes, I remember Steve I, Zahn. He's, he's always kind of in films. Yeah. <laughs> he's that fist like, oh, I kind of know him from something, but yeah. you're, you don't really know Never what. Oh, the films. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Jim Belushi. He's everywhere, but at least you know he's trying. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it's a 2013 film, and it's based on LARPing, you know, live action role playing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what what do you call a boy from True Blood? I can't remember. <laughs> Ryan Quantum. Ryan Quantum. Yeah, I was thinking Stephen again. but uh, no, his his like it's such a kind of stupid story, but like. He used to be big into LARPing, but then he like got a girlfriend, but now his girlfriend's broke up with him, so now his friend's trying to make him go back on LARP. Oh, <laughs> no. But so they, they, they go do it, and he's he's just... Basically, Ryan Quantum, though, he's, he just looks too attractive to be kind of doing anything. Like, it, like if you had put him in a situation, he looks like th- it's fake because he's very attractive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make like sense? What kind of, like, what do you mean? No, but, I- but like, like what it, kind of situ- like I need an example. But like it like looking at him doing live action role playing makes you feel like oh this is just a film and they put a good looking guy in there. Yeah. But right. if you kind of put him in anything, it's kind of like that because he's a very attractive man. Yeah. So I I, I don't want to say that text away from the film, but it's kind of in the back of your head, you know. Doesn't seem like the sort of boy who'd be involved in this sort of thing. I but I but you don't want to say that but because I, that's insulting. Day, because the, that that is very insulting because it's not like saying that anybody who's on the Dungeons and Dragons <coughs> and role playing games can't be like very attractive. Can't be very attractive or very social, or whatever. I think that's just a very nasty cliche that has been built up. I, that's that's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that he uh, he's just very attractive generally. That if you kind of put him into any situations, like why is he doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. He he could be a model or something. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, why I'd, does he not have a girlfriend? He's a babe. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So he, he, his friend makes him come back to LARPing and stuff. So the whole the whole premise of the film then is that they accidentally summon a demon because they they're just reading out bullshit like text for the LARPing, and then they accidentally summon like a demon from hell, and then it's just they actually have to do shit 
that's they're pretend they do with the live action role playing. Can we all do our like kind of best sort of? You would say what would you say sort of chantesque summoning, and and one of these like sort of fucking foreign languages. Oh, we, 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 we might raise a demon. This is the whole premise of the film. They yeah. don't know what they're saying. We already have a demon on here, and it's called Topaz. You know, no, <laughs> yes, that's all we need. Topaz or that. It just sounds like a really bad opera. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the just the whole film then is just like it's the kind of thing where like they don't realise there's a demon there and they just think it's a guy that's really into LARPing and stuff. <laughs> and it's you know, it's just, it's just a stupid comedy, like and like Ryan Quantin's like really into heavy metal in it as well, and there's a whole scene where he, he like sings heavy metal and that somehow he hurts the demon or something it's really weird I like it. <laughs> but <Sounds> yeah <laughs> it's it's a bit of crack the dinks in there summer glow i actually really like summer glow you know from serenity and stuff oh i bet for her acting talent or for the fact that she's fucking phenomenal looking she is very attractive but no i i, I like seeing her and things as well like i think she's like playboy I, and stuff I, <laughs> <laughs> did she ever do playboy is that a thing i look at it <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, don't waste your time. It's all right. No, but like, I, I, I don't think she kind of gives off that kind of badass kind of thing. So, because like, if you look yeah. at her in Serenity and even in like the Sarah Connor Chronicles and stuff, like, like she, she always plays a kind of badass that can like fuck shit up. Like even in the second series of Arrow, she was in, and she's supposed to be playing this businesswoman, and you're just waiting for her to fucking break out I some fucking moves. Like, heads, <laughs> like, that's one thing I've always liked about her as well is that even though obviously she's a very attractive actress and stuff like that, it's good that. She has that sort of steel about her. I mean, like, even though she looks about fucking six stone, I, like, you, you can, can, you can imagine her. her fucking breaking your head. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? I like it. That's definitely like fucking Serenity, like yeah. Firefly shining through that fucking river character. Yeah. Class. So, so good. Essentially, because in most of the Firefly series th- that was cancelled, she didn't really do much. You know, it was, it was all built up. So maybe that's a residual kind of yeah. feeling that a lot of fans have. The mystique. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, oh, she's got something's got, she's going to start. She'll go down. <laughs> it's like in The Simpsons with the Yakuza, it's like, it's the small, it's the small guy in the white suit who hasn't done anything yet. He's going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a bit of crack. Night to Badassendom or whatever you call it. Crack and title as well. I know, it's pretty good. I think it's the best thing about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, about a crack, yo. Demons, LARPing. Have some fun with it. Boom. My recommendation is Witness, 1985, Peter Weir. It's got Harrison Ford as the uh, ridiculously named Detective John Book. Is it Witness uh, or uh, The uh, Witness? Witness, just okay. Witness. Because there's a game came out recently called The Witness. Hmm. Not based on it. But yeah, you got Harrison <laughs> Ford in there as Detective John Book. Essentially what happens is uh, an Amish mother and her young son have to take a trip on the, I think it's Chicago or a big city. I can't remember the reason why they have to take a trip on the city. It's kind of irrelevant to start the film. They go to the cinema. I <laughs> they go to the cinema. But uh, they're going to see Amish too. <laughs> <laughs> JT rocks up by a box. Well, no, you can just use this if you want. <laughs> the best thing is, obviously, Amish people don't kind of go by like a literacy or stuff like that, so it would just be they're going to the theatre. <laughs> but... Punch uh, and Judy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this Amish family, they witness a murder, hence the title, Witness. Oh. Uh, oh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they kind of go back to their community, and uh, Harrison Ford's character, he's on the case, and he goes down there into like, the Amish territory. No, actually, they're in the big city, and the killer's trying... Big shitty. Yeah, they're in the big shitty, the big smoke. Sorry, I got that wrong. They're in the big city, 
the uh, the killers try and get to uh, the young boy who's the only witness. He's like like eight or nine or something like that. So they have to flee back to the Amish community away from the you know the, the killers and stuff like that. And there's a whole lot of stuff on there about like crooked cops and like the cops are trying to cover up for these crooked cops. But it's just a really interesting one. First and foremost, what I will say it has a phenomenal soundtrack. It's got this really uh, elegant soothing soundtrack and obviously for like you know a sort of police thrilly would usually expect like dun, 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 but it's really just chilled out and lovely and it subverts every notion that you would have for what that sort of soundtrack should be and it just adds so much to it it's amazing there's actually in my own kind of yeah, experience of watching it because Peter Weir is a director who takes chances and I think like we are talking about uh, Richard Donner a while back I think Peter Weir is also one of the most underrated directors he has because he's so versatile and he's always just got a niche in there. He, he does stuff differently, and his films are always very, very strong. But because this sort of soundtrack went the whole way through Witness, and it sort of subverts a lot of the big action scenes for more just character studies of, you know, uh, Detective John Book and how he's, uh, you know, building up this relationship with this Amish woman in the Amish community who are completely, you know, non-violent and stuff like that, which they're trying to get that message across. At the end of the film, when I was watching it, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything that happens, but the last couple of scenes played out in silence and I was like, but there was people still talking and stuff like that there and you're thinking, oh, this is trying to wrap up the film. So it's Peter Weir trying to make you guess what you know, Harrison Ford and these other characters are saying to each other before the film ends. I was like, fuck, this is a really ballsy move. This is like really, really different and stuff like that there. And then I realised that I uh, turned over in a remote and had mute bags on. Huh? <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus Christ, he's really fucking... <laughs> I said, oh, fuck, he's really going for this. He's really trying to sell a point. Because the first time I watched him, I said, fuck me, man. This is, like, really out there. Like, I'm fucking loving this. And I was actually, like, right up the screen trying to make out what Harrison Ford was saying. I was all, I'm going to have to fucking Wikipedia this after. I guarantee there's this big online discussion about what he says at the end. And then when it started to kind of go on a wee bit more, I was all, no, what this? We've got too mad. Like, I've obviously done some. Had the volume on straight back. Kind of rewind it. Like, <laughs> but, um... Uh, it's a, it's a crack of <laughs> not just for the soundtrack, not just because it subverts a lot of the, the, the sort of police procedural or, or crime thrillers, uh, but even more so because it just kind of gives a very, very respectful view. I mean, a lot of, a, a good few Amish people came out and said that they didn't like how they were kind of represented, but I just like the fact that the Amish community are represented and they're represented as being very, very nice people and there's no liberties taken with them. You know, that they're not presented as being backward in any way. You know, it's completely presented that they are just a community who doesn't really want to evolve the modern world, but that's not weird. That's not that you know that's they are different, but that's they're not. not Peter weird. Uh, it's not Peter Weird. I. <laughs> but they're they're not weird. They're just different, and they're just following their own sort of set of beliefs. But you know they're just you know very nice people, and it's just interesting to see as well a crime thriller take place not in like you know a big degraded dirty fucking city but out in these cornfields in the fucking midwest yeah. you know what i mean you know and, and as well that also adds it because obviously these cornfields in the midwest all look beautiful you know yeah. what I mean? so it just adds a cinematography too but uh that's a great film and also it's the only oscar nomination that harrison ford ever got yeah for best actor that's why there he's always oscar nominated harrison, harrison ford. ford for witness which, which he like, doesn't like <laughs> yeah not that he doesn't like the film, just he didn't win, so why are you keep bringing it up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's like, you know, it's nice to be nominated. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, though, when you when you see like some films, it's like Oscar winner, blah, 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 Oscar winner, and then Oscar nominated. It's like, oh. <laughs> Can I put a test out as well for the listener, or whatever listeners we got out there? If you ever do watch Witness, 
watch it through my eyes. See in the last five minutes, hit mute. <laughs> and see, right? see if you can kind of see where I was coming from. This is interactive cinema. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also forgot to say my recommendation last week was Sing Street. It was a film that hadn't come out yet, but it was going around some festivals and heard some good buzz and I thought about it out there. It's from John Kearney, who did Once and Begin Again, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But uh, it actually came out this week, so it's it's in our local cinemas anyway, and I shall be going to go see it at some point, possibly, probably not. Bam, bam. But, <laughs> but yeah, if you it, check check Perfect. check your cinemas, it could be out there if you're in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like getting contact with us, you know, let us know if you accidentally muted a film before and it's you know you were impressed <laughs> <laughs> maybe just mute all films maybe that's the yeah. thing i should be a director <laughs> that's actually fucking hilarious she's he's really trying it's all new here fuck <laughs> <laughs> me i've always liked peter weir but now i'm really he's really on point at this point like he's really getting it like you should tweet at him is he dead he's probably <laughs> dead is he is he dead no is he fucking oh, grand. oh it's grand <laughs> <laughs> he's grand he's <laughs> grand uh, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher Radio. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm accidentally forwarding a message here. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shanko has been Shanko. Yeah. Harry's been Harry. Yeah. Kiva Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 46, baby. Woo! Thank you so much Woo! for listening. Goodbye. Should I have to die? Harry hunting bitches. You smack, you smacking bitches up in here, Harry? Smack my bitch up. Also better if you listen to the last five minutes of this podcast on mute. (laughs) (laughs) Check it out. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.